0: Thank <music> you. episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm andrea renee joined by miss christine steimer hello oh that was a quick one And hello. This hello. hello
1: thank you for calling steimer's name out first i was in the middle of a yawn and that would have been awkward i like to kind of swap it out week to week yeah, to yeah. who gets to go first you like
2: keep me on my toes i'm like is she gonna say me is she gonna say bread who's she gonna say i don't know
1: it's exciting well I would hope that
0: you're always paying attention at the top of the show. I know sometimes in the middle of long discussions, your mind can wander. Well, maybe I'm talking about myself there.
1: I think you guys are talking about when I talk about Dragon Ball Z or JRPGs or Resident Evil. You kind of get that glassy look. I'm like, like,
2: you just you go ahead and you talk. You're
1: just smiling to be polite, but I know you're not paying any attention. But I appreciate the politeness.
0: It's true. It happens. I'm not even going to try to pretend like it doesn't. Uh, This, of course, is the What's Good Games podcast, whether it's your very first episode or your 113th episode. We're so glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much for supporting everything that we do. Uh, Speaking of supporters, this month's Patreon producers are Tom Bach. Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Tate, and Muhammad Muhammad, and we've got a few announcements. If you guys missed it, Brittany put up a special video.
1: Oh boy, yeah! I am playing Layers of Fear Two, courtesy of AMD. They sent me this beastly PC, and I played for about an hour, hour and ten minutes, and that's part one. Part two will be coming this week, and I'm gonna just keep putting videos out until I finish it. It's uh it's, it's a good time. It's very unsettling, a very unsettling game. So lots of whiskey, lots of swearing, as per my Let's Plays. But it's fine. You should check it out. YouTube.com slash what's good games. Yeah, if you guys
0: haven't taken an opportunity to check out our video content, we have some fun stuff up there. We don't as often do uh, exclusive videos as we would like just because uh, schedules are tough. But I love it when Brittany puts up a
1: good scary let's play. (laughs) <laughs> thanks girl uh,
0: we'll be talking about a scary game a little bit later in the show uh, we also have our July Patreon stream set for Saturday July 27th so mark your calendars we haven't finalized the timing uh, that day yet but we will be doing our happy hour Q&A and finishing our playthrough of Until Dawn which will be very exciting and we also want to remind you guys that if you have questions to send into the show you can head to what'sgoodgames.com That's where you can send those in if you guys would like us to answer your questions for the show. And um, I think that's probably going to do it for housekeeping this week. We're going to keep it nice and short because it was a holiday last week. Not a whole lot going on. Just enjoying our summer. Uh, I do want to give a big shout out to newcomers to our Patreon community. Uh, We've got Isabella Abadia. Mm. Don't know if I said that name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adriana, Dom Nelson, Alyssa, GW Fox, and Brandon Robinson. Welcome to Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. Of course, you guys can get into our fantastic membership program by heading on over there and seeing all of our fantastic offerings. All right. And I think it's time now to get into the news. There's a lot. But before w- There is. But before I do that, I have to tell you, this first segment is brought to you by Honey. So what is Honey, you might be asking yourself. Before we get to that, let me talk about something that we all can agree on, saving money. Honey is a free browser extension that scans the web for coupon codes and discounts while you shop online. It automatically applies the biggest savings to your card at checkout, just like magic. Honey works on over 20,000 sites that you use already, like Amazon, eBay, Newegg, Razer, and more. And it takes zero effort to install. Just two clicks and you'll start saving anytime you shop online. If you guys have never used Honey before, I started using Honey like a couple of months back. And it's crazy how much it can save you on things you hadn't even thought about looking for coupons are. And the extension that I have installed on Chrome, just bing, right there it is. It's like, oh, Honey can save you this much money. It's Kind of eerie that I <laughs> haven't been using it before because I'm like, this is a lot of money I could have been saving. Think of all the snack foods and whiskeys or video games I have bought with all
2: the money that honey could be saving me. I mean, um, is is honey can save you so much money their tagline? Because it should be. It rhymes. Oh, yeah. I
1: like a good I, rhyme. I didn't even think about that. But you know <laughs> what?
0: I should have known that our... Um, number one songwriter, Christine oh, Steimer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought about this. Also, if you missed our Wiener song from Brit and Steimer last week. Okay. That easy. song was stuck in my head
1: for like two days.
2: <laughs>
0: um, But of course, if you don't want to just take my word for it, there are plenty of people around the internet that are saving money with honey like Toby M, who is... um. Let me see how you read this at his panics on Twitter, who writes, Dang, who knew that Honey is actually so good? Going to California this weekend and found a hotel. When I let Honey look for coupons, it saved me $22.50. That's an extra $22.50 in his pocket that he didn't have before. Yeah, now he can Uh, go get drinks at his hotel. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you might be thinking... This sounds too good to be true. Like, it's free and it saves you money, but what's the catch? Let's be honest. You know you're thinking that right now. But it's pretty simple. When you use a coupon provided by Honey, they earn a small commission from the merchant, and then they pass along some of that savings to their members. So it's a win-win for everybody. Over 10 million people are already saving money with Honey, and Honey has over 130,000 five-star reviews on Google Chrome's store. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. Quote, basically free money. Honey, can't save you so much money. There you go. You got that one for free. See? New jingle. Um, Don't take it from us, though. Take it from our subscribers. I don't know what that means. Uh, Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash rooster. I know, it's a little bit different, but our friends and family over at Rooster Teeth are also running a promotion with Honey, and so we're all using the same code because normally we tell you guys to use WGG or What's Good. But for this one, it's all of the Rooster Teeth family is using the same code. So that's joinhoney.com slash rooster. Again, honey.com slash rooster to take advantage of all of the savings you never knew you had in your life. I really like the way you say
1: rooster. Oh, oh no! Is this another North Dakota thing? No, I don't think so. I just uh, you're. I don't know rooster. It's very like rooster. I don't know. It's weird. I like it. Roo. I mean. Oh, thank you. You can do that too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about some news. Wow! 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 Nintendo brought the goods this week. Brittany, do you want to do the honors of reading this first story?
1: Sure, I would love to. It's a long one. That's (laughs) what she said. Nintendo unveils cheaper, smaller Switch Lite. That's L-I-T-E, because they're fancy. This is via Michael McWater from Polygon. Nintendo unveiled a new revision of its Switch hybrid game console on Wednesday, the Nintendo Switch Lite, a smaller version of the system that's focused on the platform's portable side. The new Nintendo Switch Lite hardware will cost $199.99 and will be released on September 20th. The smaller Nintendo Switch won't feature detachable Joy-Con controllers. Instead, the new Switch is a... compact all-in-one piece of hardware that makes the Switch feel more like a Game Boy or Nintendo DS. The system also does not connect to a television for big screen play. It's purely a handheld gaming device. The system features a smaller 5.5-inch screen, weighs less than the original Switch hardware, approximately 0.61 pounds, and comes in in three colors banana, barf yellow, gray and turquoise. I added the the banana barf yellow. Some people really like that color yellow. To me, it looks a little too like it looks like the color of your urine when you haven't enough water a day after drinking.
2: I mean, it does, but also I was thinking like a banana runt.
1: Oh, runts are you yeah. Remember runts? Yeah. I was yeah. thinking like Donkey Kong banana. Wow, we all have very different <laughs> opinions <laughs> We have very different cover. banana standards. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch Lite also boasts longer, la- la- longer lasting battery life ranging from three to seven hours of play. Versus (laughs) 2.5 to 6.5. So
0: not that
2: much longer. You get like like a half an hour.
1: Also like 3 to 7. That's such a... Anyway, it's fine. It's such a long
2: range. Yeah, it's like, what?
1: The Nintendo Switch Lite device can play all games in the Nintendo Switch library that support handheld mode, Nintendo says. Noting that, quote, some games will have restrictions like Just Dance or Nintendo Labo. The Switch Lite doesn't offer HD rumble support or the IR camera included in Joy-Cons for the original Nintendo Switch. The Switch Lite will support external Joy-Con controllers, the Switch Pro Controller, and the Pokeball Plus, and is built in... Okay, is it Gyro? Gyro? I I almost said Gyro. I mean... uh, I I think it's a
2: gyroscope, so... Gyro, Gyro.
1: gyro. I I like Gyro. It also supports Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and NFC, according to the hands-on report from The Verge. A full list of differences between the original Nintendo Switch and the Switch Lite is available on Nintendo's website. Nintendo's announcement of the smaller, less expensive Switch confirms multiple reports from the Wall Street Journal over the past year that, indicate, that indicated the game maker was planning a pair of revisions to the console. But wait! There's more. What? What? Nintendo will release a special Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield-themed version of the newly announced Nintendo Switch Lite hardware in November. Like the standard Switch Lite, it will cost $199.99, 100 less than the cost of a regular Nintendo Switch. It will not include a copy of Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield. Whoa! The Pokemon-themed Switch Lite will feature illustrations of new legendary Pokemon uh, Zation I don't know how to say these names. Zation and Zamazenta. Are they in the Pokedex yet? I have no fucking clue. Maybe Either zakian or Zacian. Zakian, Zacian, Zacian the, the legendary dudes, the good boys with the sword and shield. Hence the system's official name, the Nintendo Switch Lite Z and Z Edition. <laughs> I'm going to try to say that. The system is a light gray, is a light gray and features sand and magenta buttons and analog sticks. It will be released on November 8th, one week before Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield come to Switch on November 15th um then it, okay and then this yeah so i added this at the end which was a little write-up from
0: ign because one of the features that Britt mentioned of course was the d-pad and this was kind of a hotly talked about item when this announcement was made about oh my gosh finally there's a d-pad and so ign did this write-up called um why the nintendo switch Lite has a true d-pad and why it's such a big deal essentially i boiled it down because I didn't want to read the entire article, the article essentially says, the fact that the original Switch's Joy-Con controllers uh, do not has been a point of contention for fans since its launch in 2017. As the four separate directional buttons aren't as idea for a true D-pad for 2D games, retro games, and much more. Clearly a gigantic selling point for Nintendo software um, is a lot of their retro library. And so a lot of retro purists and enthusiasts were very disappointed in the Joy-Cons. And let's be honest, that left Joy-Con just was always causing problems. Oh, yeah. Um, and so this is probably a good thing. But... What they also said, uh, so Doug Bowser, the new, the president of Nintendo for America, uh, did say that there was no plans to bring that D pad to regular Switch anytime. He was like, he's like, if it's happening, I don't know about it. Essentially, and we're not talking about it. And like, no, it's not happening. And like, we be uh, alone. Yeah, essentially it's because they're detachable and that has to that changes the way the internal circuitry works. So there's something about that where they can't do that D pad um with the real estate that they have, I think. So I
1: call bullshit. Yeah.
0: You're I mean, telling me but, that
2: none of their engineers can figure this out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying <laughs> they don't I'm want just, to or yes. it's too expensive. Yeah, yes, to that's figure probably out. that might be more true. That they're like the cost is not worth it.
0: Yes. And on top of that, over at Game Informer, uh, Doug Bowser confirmed to them, or technically he confirmed it to CNET, that there is no Switch XL on the way. Um, he said, quote, Switch Lite will also be the only new Nintendo Switch hardware this holiday. Uh, it says the larger Switch won't get an upgrade right now. So... Obviously, like an XL or a Switch Pro is probably in the works at some point, either next year or the year after, mm-hmm. but don't expect
1: it sometime before the end of 2019. And that's when we will get our D-pad, ladies and gentlemen. We will get it. It will be ours. We will be victorious. <laughs> so Maybe. I thought, because I, I was looking at this, and I thought we could kind of just go down all the differences between the two. because sure. Because Twitter was, you know, not super happy today. Social media... Oh. Really? which Which is crazy to think about. I don't fucking people, man. I wish I had the time of day to be upset over something so trivial. But hey. All right. So, at a glance, this is what I got. So, you have the price tag $199 versus $299. And so, let's go down like what this has and what it doesn't have. So, the number one thing is it doesn't connect to a TV. That's fine. Which is fine. Like, that's the whole point of this thing, right? It's supposed to kind of take the place of the DS and. It's fine. It is.
2: it is. I saw someone else on Twitter be like, it's, I think it was Jared, maybe, it was like, it's now another step towards being Vita 2.0. And I was like, yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, there you go. And so I guess the main thing, because I put, I have a note down here. If you're going to get this, you just need to be sure that you, do, and you don't have a Switch already. Let's say you've been eye- eyeballing the Switch for a while, and this light is coming out, and you're thinking, this is perfect for me. Make sure you don't ever want to play it on your TV, because a dock alone is $75, so at that point, you know, if you do buy the Switch and then like a few months later, you're thinking a Switch Lite, you're thinking, I'd actually love to play this on my TV. Well, then you have to cough over $75 for the dock. And now at this, that wouldn't even con- work. What is yeah, it? but the- I don't think they've confirmed that the Switch Lite will even work with the dock. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think it- I don't components. think it works. That's a good point. You're right. So, like, the the you- only yeah. thing they've confirmed yeah. is that you can use the external controllers, the Joy-Con and the Switch Pro controller, but not. the yeah, dock. but no, the dock is not a thing for this. Uh, this is So how does the Switch dock right now? How does it? It docks via USB-C connector
0: and something within the dock... Convert the USB C signal to HDMI mm-hmm. because uh, the HDMI then goes from the dock into your TV. So, something within the internal circuitry essentially acts like a converter or a dongle of sorts uh, to convert the USB C signal to HDMI. Mm. So, it's not out of the question for a third party, like a Niko, for example, to maybe create like a switch light dongle for your tv that would essentially convert the USB-C plug that you would use to charge your switch light to have right. an hdmi connector port on the other side much like i have to do for virtually every dong or everything <laughs> i need to use with my laptop right um so that's a possibility that maybe it will get like an aftermarket or a third-party option um to connect your switch light to your tv but as of right now we don't Like, Nintendo has said that there's no way to connect your Switch Lite to your television. Okay.
1: Noted. And then then there's also no HD rumble, which isn't... Uh, That's fine. That's I think that's totally... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, that thing is more embarrassing. I was trying to play Ace Attorney in the doctor's office the other day, and whenever... You can turn the vibration off, and I did. But I had headphones in, so I didn't realize. It was like... and everyone was kind of looking around and then I realized they were looking at me. It was very embarrassing. And you were like, I object. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I should have. Damn it. Missed opportunity. Um, And then there's the idea that you can't disconnect your Joy-Cons and that what this certain games aren't playable, but you can sync your other controller. So if you do have a main OG switch and you want to get a switch light and if you're whoever you get this for is like, I'd like to use a controller. Well, first of all, you don't have a kickstand. So you're gonna have to prop that bad boy up. Get fucked. (laughs) Or like Simon says get fucked or (laughs) oh yeah or uh, you know you can just use whatever controllers you have but this is fine
2: I think honestly this is like perfect for me and if they had come out with better colors I would be buying one of these but but I don't particularly I'm not even though you have one already yeah yeah honestly I probably would be like I would sell the one I have and just take because like I don't use my dock I don't use any of the features that the Nintendo Switch has I do not switch my Switch my Switch has one mode. <laughs> and I do not that
1: switch my Switch. <laughs> my, the- I'm, I'm with
0: you. I also use my Switch like 98% in handheld mode. Um, so I think that this is a super smart call on Nintendo's part. The multiple colors is smart. We've seen them do this time and time again with their, their their hardware. And what was interesting about this is we had a discussion about it on KFGD. And then someone tweeted to me the sales differences from the DS era where they had the DS original, the DSi, the DS Lite, and then the DSi XL, and they sent me this graph showing how when the DS Lite was introduced, it like took over all of the sales and made this crazy impact on the overall life cycle of the DS as a brand. And then with the 3DS, obviously they had more SKUs of the 3DS, so it's a little bit more broken up. But the 2DS... Um, didn't have as much of an impact, even though they still sold over 75 million units. I don't have an exact number. I have to, I've been looking for one. I know they've sold over 70 million units total um, because they didn't have the word light in the name. And if people were searching for 3DS and they never bothered to look at a 2DS, then maybe they didn't think about getting the 2DS versus the 3DS. But I think having. That 2DS it was ugly
2: as shit, though. It was, just a fun, it was, but
0: it's, it was a door a wedge. Purpose. It was a wedge,
1: door stop. That was its purpose. Oh, you talking about the non foldable? The yeah, because yeah. yeah. now they just exactly. make the two DS that does fold. But yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting. For but
0: sure. they sold a bunch of uh, yeah. they sold a bunch of them, you know. And so I think that's that crazy this is to Going to do Gangbusters for them. They're oh, releasing yeah. it in the fall when Pokemon Sword and Shield are out. They have a special edition. This is going to be like the three DS XL when they just. Put like addition, addition, addition. And people just kept buying them because they looked cool. And they're like, now I have another console. What am I going to do with this?
2: Yes. No, was- that, that would 100% again, be me. But the colors are the colors are fine. I just want some of like the OG Game yes. Boy colors because I had the atomic purple Game Boy color and it was dope. And someone tweeted me that they had modded their Switch, their OG Switch to look like that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so pretty. If they just if they made this and that, I would buy it hands down heart like day one pre-order yeah. whatever throw i will throw money give but me but they must
0: have research that shows that these are the most popular colors
2: because that cyan
0: that like turquoise color the turquoise is ev- nice every every i think iteration of their handhelds that have colors have that turquoise color i remember vividly my very first 3DS was that cyan color 3DS. Oh, and the, then I upgraded to the 3DS XL with the Yoshi on it.
1: I'm too turned weird. off by those bright colors because I'm worried it would be too distracting. I just want to focus on the screen itself. I don't know. They if have a gray. They do. And I, I would take the gray one if I could. That's the, that's the grown-up Switch like Yeah. It's the mature Switch like I'm such a mature individual. I yes. need my game consoles to reflect who I am as a human. Yes, you do. Uh, yes. But yeah. um, And obviously, the smaller screen, it goes from five and a half from 6.2 to 5.5. But it was really odd just seeing people
2: be so upset about this.
1: And I saw people I didn't like, see
2: anyone be upset about it, but uh, I also wasn't wasn't looking for it.
1: Yeah. I I did. I, I did. Yeah, it, it, even people were complaining about the fact that the display does not have an automatically an automatic brightness adjuster. People were like, "Oh my god, you can no lo- no longer automatically adjust the brightness for you." I'm like, "Bro, this takes 2 seconds to do." It's not yeah, of all you the can do that, that automatically. About, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you can have an automatic mode on. I turned it oh. off, actually. I only ever I manually don't. adjust mine because yeah. I like my screen bright. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just it was just odd. And I don't I don't I guess I don't understand why people are so upset. The switch is great as it is. I have 100 percent confidence we're getting a switch pro or a switch plus or whatever you want to call it. Next year, it'll have the D-pad, it'll be 1080p in, in uh, handheld mode, it'll be pretty, screen will be great, better battery, all those things, but the fact is, the Switch is doing great right now, and then this is, you know, that, it's taking that place of that of that handheld, that DS, you know, that parents want to get their kids, and it makes so much sense that I, I don't understand why people are, A, upset about it, and B, surprised by it.
2: The only thing I think is a little funny is uh, them releasing the bundle or, like, the special edition <laughs> without the game, because I think... The only thing that worries me about that is how many angry parents they're going to get who are confused and think that it comes with the game. Or they're just gonna be like, oh, I get this. I think they're I
1: the game bundle for Link's Awakening because Link's Awakening comes out on the same day. Ooh, so do you think, think they'll have a special color for that? If they do, I'm buying yeah. it. And here yeah. comes the other problem is I'm still kind of confused by this. But maybe you two have clear idea of how the whole save transfer works. So yeah.
0: Doug Bowser talked to either Game Inform or The Verge about this as well and said that they are working on a transfer system specifically for Switch Lite, but mm. that they don't have any details to announce about it at this time.
1: Okay. Because right now you can transfer... Not all games support cloud saves. Like Animal Crossing Pokemon won't. <gasps> they don't Animal want-
2: Crossing Edition.
1: They don't. Oh, want I wonder what to- that
2: will look like. <laughs> It'll yeah,
1: but have that's Tom the Nook. thing
0: is that... I'm with you, Britt. I think that this is a huge um, kind of gap in Nintendo's big hurrah moment right now because I think Nintendo Switch Lite is going to crush it for them. Mm -hmm. I think this is a super smart move. Doing it near holiday, right ahead of Christmas with Pokemon coming out and Animal Crossing on the horizon, you know, all these other things is great. Their biggest failing is their uh, cloud-saving infrastructure. Now, I know that if you have Nintendo's online service, if you close your game, it does an automatic cloud-save backup if the game supports it. But it's not a universally supported feature. And that's something that I get into online arguments with people all the time. They're like, yeah, but it supports cloud-saves. I go, no, it doesn't. It doesn't support them universally. And that's the thing that I think is important to remember. Like, when I... Go to upload cloud saves on my PS4 or my Xbox One. I've literally never had a game say this game does not support cloud saves. 100% of the games on both of my consoles, as far as I'm aware, and please write me if I'm wrong. Support cloud saves. I've never come into an issue where a game said we don't support cloud saves. In fact, there are several games that support cloud saves with me having to do nothing, that they just save them in the cloud, like Destiny. And that's because the publisher has their own cloud saving system. And Nintendo is woefully behind on this, especially going into a cloud streaming future where you're going to be want to be picking your games up and playing them on the go all the time. I would love a, a world where... I have my original Nintendo Switch with my removable Joy-Cons in my dock at home, ready to play with my Pro Controller in, on my 65-inch TV, and then I have my Switch Lite in my color of choice. Hopefully, they make this atomic purple because it looks really pretty. <laughs> um, and then I can just, when I'm done playing it on my system, I can upload my my save to the cloud, and then I can pick up my Switch Lite and take it on the bus or the tr- plane or wherever, and there there it is ready to go. But right now, that's not the way it is. And on top of that, they even don't allow you to put saves onto a memory card and then just pop the memory card between your systems, which would make it a, not as convenient workaround, but still a doable workaround. So this is a gigantic problem that Nintendo needs to figure out. It's
1: Yeah, and you know, we've always said Nintendo marches to the beat of their own drum. They like to wait until things are proven, but I feel like cloud saves have been proven. Far Many times over again. So this is just kind of a bizarre thing. And I know their reasoning is they don't want people to bork or screw with leaderboards or the time and the days in Animal Crossing or something. But They've uh, figured everybody figured does it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying, right? It's just um, bizarre. So essentially, my understanding is that let's say Animal Crossing was out and you've been playing it for 10 hours, 20 hours. You want to get a new Switch or the Switch Lite that game and that save is like perma stuck on that console. there's no way you can transfer that over
0: which no there is there is going to be a way but not right now right tra- uh, n- well obviously the console's not out now so technically you're correct no not right now but when the console launches, what Nintendo has said is that there will be a way to do a full system transfer but anybody who's done a full system transfer oh I did that on 3Ss- my Xboxes yeah knows that like that shit takes a long time and is not convenient and it's like a kind of like a one time deal right like you're, you're essentially removing all of the data from your Nintendo Switch and moving it all onto your Switch Lite. If it's going to be anything like the 3DS process that I've been through, when I moved 3DSs, it was like you're wiping the old system and installing everything on the brand new system, and then that's it. There's no
2: like, oh, I'm just moving save files back and forth. No, I think I, I had so- to do that for 360 as well, once. I remember doing that.
1: I mean, I would hope yeah. it's ready for when the Switch Lite comes out. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. Do you read something where he says it's going to be ready to go by the time it...
0: That's what Doug Bowser was inferring, that they will have this system up and in place by the time Switch Lite launches, but that they don't have anything to announce about it at this time.
1: Ah, well, we'll just see, ladies and gentlemen. I was trying to pull up the quote and see exactly, because when I read it, I was like, well, it's coming eventually, but who knows. Okay, yes, you will have the ability to transfer between devices your gameplay experiences. More to come there, but that is the intention. Okay. That sounds pretty definitive. Yeah,
2: it's nice. that's nice. And like, I believe I believe in Doug Bowser. Yeah, I mean his name's Bowser. I mean, you with have the to name give him some I mean, credit, he was literally born <laughs> to have this job. He was because I don't know how you could go through life with a name like Doug Bowser and not be the CEO of Nintendo. Yeah.
1: But I think this is cool. That's you know, true. if I had a young kid, if what I if depending on my kid's uh, uh, ability to not break shit, if you know, because I'm not one to share my consoles, so my kid would definitely get my own uh, their own console. Like I don't share shit. I don't share that in Yeah, No stuff. sticky fingers on Brit shit. No, no, no. No hold on. No dabs. That means fingerprints in British slang. I don't want any dabs on my Switch console. So I would be like, yo dog, here, take this console. It's more sturdy. You can't lose the Joy Cons, which are like eighty bucks to replace. And it's more expensive. So if you break it, you're gonna be mowing lawns until you're nineteen.
0: And I think all of the problems that the Switch had with the Joy-Cons and still continues to have, hopefully some of them, if not all of them, will be rectified by them no longer being removable, so they'll be able to hopefully do... Hardwire that shit. Yeah, like fix whatever was going on with the internal circuitry to make the issues, like with the left Joy-Con and all of the other things with the thumbsticks people were talking about.
1: Yeah, we had hopefully to put, we had to put foam out. in our left Joy-Con, and now it works. But it wasn't working. <laughs> So silly, yeah. Good job, but Nintendo. Yeah,
0: this, is, this is exciting. We will, of course, you know, keep an eye on this and update you. Hopefully, we'll get to play it at PAX West. They uh, have not announced if they're going to be doing anything at Comic Con. Normally, they do, but if they do, we don't know if the Nintendo Light will be there. I would guess not. But PAX West is like a month from launch, less than a month from launch. So I would assume that we'll get to see hardware either at Gamescom or at PAX West. Yeah. So all right. The next story is Amazon Game Studios is developing a Lord of the Rings MMORPG. So this write-up comes from Matt Kim over at IGN. Uh, Amazon Game Studios has announced it's leading the development on the new Lord of the Rings MMORPG. Amazon's MMO will be a free-to-play adventure set in Middle-earth as portrayed in the Lord of the Rings Literary Trilogy, meaning the MMO will be based on author J.R.R. Tolkien's original books, rather than Peter Jackson's film, Trilogy. Which is awesome, because there are so many cool characters they left out of the trilogy. Um, Amazon's Game Studios is developing the Lord of the Rings MMO with Leilu Technologies, uh, Middle Earth Enterprises, and it will be released on both PC and consoles. Amazon's upcoming MMORPG is the same Lord of the Rings project that was announced last year by Athlon Games, a L.A.U. subsidiary. Amazon Game Studios will now lead the project with a team comprised of veterans from popular MMOs like EverQuest, Destiny, World of Warcraft, Planetside, and more. This is also the same development team behind Amazon's upcoming original game, new
1: world which i don't recall hearing anything about it's a team i looked into it it's a team based pvp survival game there's some clips of it Hmm. it was announced late last year i think but yeah the idea of that game is that you explore you craft resources you create your own little war band of um teammates real people and then you go and try to like command and conquer shit oh essentially it's like lord of the flies You go Interesting
0: Tolkien's uh, (laughs) Quote Tolkien's Middle Earth Is one of the richest Fictional worlds In history And it gives our team Experienced MMO developers From the same studio Developing New World Tremendous opportunity To play and create Said Amazon Game Studios VP Christoph Hartman In a statement This is Amazon's Second highest profile Lord of the Rings project After the online retailer Announced it was producing A new Lord of the Rings TV series For Amazon Prime Which we've already Talked about Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV series will be set During the second Age which takes place prior to the events of the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy. However, Amazon made it clear that the upcoming MMO and the TV show are unrelated and are being developed separately. Amazon made no mention of the Lord of the Rings Online, an existing free-to-play MMORPG Mm -hmm. that released back in 2007 and is based on the Lord of the Rings series and developed by Standing Stone Games. Now, um, IGN reached out to Amazon to ask if there's any relationship between the two MMORPGs and they have not heard back. Cowards. Another up... Wait, so yeah, exactly, (laughs) cowards. Another upcoming game in Middle-earth, of course, that we talked about earlier this year, The Lord of the Rings Gollum, was announced for a 2021 release from developer Dedalic, and it will be a narrative adventure game that will focus on the events of Gollum when he first found the Ring of Power to begin the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, that's not quite the way it is. He found the Ring of Power... Um and then the Hobbit happened and then a
2: whole bunch of other shit happened and then the Lord of the Rings happened but you know what but none gonna... of it would have happened if he hadn't found that ring maybe maybe not I don't know I think is that what they're inferring <laughs> I've have...
0: <laughs> no exactly probably none of none of the Lord of the Rings would have happened if he hadn't found the ring but the Hobbit happened first okay so just it again, did right. it
1: did it sounds it's... like there's a lot of Lords of the Ring. As someone who doesn't you know, know a lot of this about this franchise. Well, there's
0: it, technically more than one ring. And like I don't want to put my nerd hat on right oh my now. God, Girl, you're on, on a video game podcast.
1: On. Stop it. We're, we're on a podcast <laughs> about video games. It's fine. Uh
0: where is Alexa Ray when we need to talk about Lore of the Rings nerdy shit? Um, so here's the thing uh somebody asked me if I was excited about this, and I was like, maybe. I don't know. Like first They didn't off, show the anything, did
2: they? they like, there's no there's, assets.
0: No, there's no assets, there's no screenshots, there's no trailers. There's not even like a, a rough idea of how the gameplay will go. It's just like a, hey, we're making
1: this thing, which is kind of a weird announcement um, to do. Well, so maybe an to try and it recruit. Actu- it was even actually announced last year, which is kind of bizarre. Their partnership, They yeah. yeah, so here's the thing. MMOs don't really do anything for me anymore. They used to at one point. And shout out to Standing Stone Games because they formerly were they were the, the, fa- the folks of Turbine who made Asheron's Call, which has been shut down with no rhyme, nor reason. I want to goddamn answer. Warner Brothers, what are you doing? Um, and they make the Lord of the Rings online MMO. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that because I just got so angry talking about You were talking here. about oh, how yeah, MMOs, don't do anything for MMOs. me. MMOs. Because Astronauts yeah. called it because it was not so much MMO. Anyway, so I'm currently playing Final Fantasy Fourteen. And so far I like the story, but it's it's the same song and dance of Get Me Four Eyeballs, find me five vials of blood. And mixed in there is great storytelling, but the gameplay itself is so repetitive that it's boring. And so when I hear like free to play MMO, I'm just like I kinda like boner kill a little bit. Um but who knows I'm in the same boat as you but I've also
0: never been big into MMORPGs in the first place Steimer really is the expert here
2: I mean I can't make any sort of judgment call cuz they've literally tell you nothing um I, they don't even say who you could possibly like can you just play as any like can you play as an elf and you can play as a a or- hobbit or an orc or whatever hobbit, like what can you what are I mean, the, what imagine- can I do here and if so i don't i mean there's just not enough information to go on on whether or not i'm excited about this um but i the one thing that they said that sort of concerns me is they're like this is the same studio developing our other game that's not out yet and i'm like well maybe finish one thing first I f- and then be- we'll talk
1: Okay, I think this studio it's okay, the studio that's creating The New World is an, a, one of Amazon's internal game studios and the one working on this is just working alongside them. I think Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I think Amazon's internal studios is working alongside this main developer.
0: Yeah, so I think as far as I'm aware, Athlon Games is still the main developer. The main developer and they're just I being guided on- Gameplay exactly. direction-wise by Amazon? Yeah, I hope so. Well, slash, I don't know if that's a good thing either. I went on a hunt to find out more details about Athlon games, and the only thing I've seen that they published was Samurai Showdown, um, and I haven't played anything of that game, so I can't speak to it, and that's just, I think, the most recent one, not even any other previous games um, in that franchise. And I think the important thing, I think, to remember here is Amazon has... A ton of money to throw out this problem. And I feel like one of the rules of tech with money is why pay for one thing when you can pay for two at twice the price. Um, <laughs> so um, I hope that this turns out well. And the fact that the, um, you know, Middle Earth Enterprises is involved is a good sign. Because that means that they will oversee all of the lore and they really rule that lore with an iron fist from the people that I've talked to at Monolith who have made the, um, you know, the Mordor games, the Middle Earth, uh, well, Shadow of of War. Um, So something just to keep in mind, I'm going to, you know, kind of keep tabs on this and see how it goes. Like, I would prefer a more shadow of war style game minus the weird
2: microtransactions (laughs) um
0: they're definitely going to have but
2: they're going to have microtransactions if it's free to play but yes not in a weird way hopefully
0: right but i was just saying i would prefer a single player story-based narrative action adventure or even a multiplayer co-op action adventure versus like an never-ending you
2: don't want to group to play, up with MMO. 10 hobbitses and run a dungeons and <laughs> attack them with things i don't even i'm like trying to imagine what the character classes are even going to be i'm like i guess you could be like a hobbit ranger maybe or a healer
0: or a rogue sneaky stealth have, i right? mean typically yeah,
1: yeah i stealthy. guess MMO's are they, the- they <laughs> are because you don't see yeah. them they're small they
2: got those big padded feet
1: yeah. I'm thinking because in an MMO, part of the uh, attraction, right, is that you you kind of like, well, not everyone role plays, but you really do become your character in this huge world. Because if you start an MMO and you are um, committed to it, you know, you're going to spend hundreds of hours into it. So I would imagine that you can do all of the races in a wide variety of classes with them. Yeah. I think. But will probably be some limitations, but, huh, yeah, well,
2: interesting. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting, especially with the. Um what are they called the middle earth middle earth friends The middle earth friends <laughs> the, uh, are, you, are you talking the, about the, the... the people who look over the lore enterprises okay uh, <laughs> middle <laughs> middle, i like friends of middle earth or middle earth the, friends the um, tolkien estate essentially yes. <laughs> i do wonder because like for me part of the appeal of mmos is very visual right and it's mm-hmm. like okay, what sort of weird, cool armor can I have? And I'm like, well, there are definitely things I could imagine being fairly epic. There's nothing silly. Like, they. for instance, like in Guild Wars... I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's shit like sorry. the legendary weapons leave you rainbow footprints and, like, you shoot rainbows. And like, you do weird shit and it's fun right. and, like, funky because it's their world and they can do whatever the fuck they want. I do wonder if they're going to have... That same ability and that same freedom, if it is something that is licensed this way and being looked after in this way, and my gut would say no. Big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious. I mean, I'll keep an eye on this because I I do like MMOs and I like to dabble in them now. But I mean, you can always check out the say. 2007 Lord of the Rings
1: Online. They just got a new. I graduated expansion. college. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated high school in 06. Um, oh, you wow.
0: Oh God! Ow, it hurts! Oh, it, pains Ow, it hurts! Ow, it, hurts. Oh. <laughs> it is such a baby. Um, yeah, we'll we'll make timer play when it comes out. It'll be fun. We'll do. You'll a play Let's with play. me. Play with me. I will.
1: I okay. will. We'll make a little party. It'll be great. Ooh. Um. Okay. I was okay. Say, can moving. I? Can I? Wait. No. Wait. What is? What is? Uh. Oh God. My precious. What's his name? Golem Gollum. 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 Or what or is Schneegle. he? Sneagle. Sneagle. He was a meagles. deformed
2: he was a hobbit at some point, right? He was, yeah. And now he I is think his you own would, thing.
1: Do you think that'll yeah, be Britain. a playable
0: race?
2: No. It's do not you? really a race. No.
0: Oh. Hobbits, maybe. Smeagol, no. He'd be like a special like quest giver or some shit. Oh. Yeah. Um I think that um you would probably like I don't know if trolls are gonna be a playable race, but that
2: would be your your cup of tea. I just want
1: to smash it. Um, yeah, I want to be the Schmeagle race, but it sounds like that's
2: not an option. That's, that's, a that's not a that's not a race.
1: He also doesn't smash it. He's very no. Sneaky. He's yeah. He that's would okay. be a rogue for sure. I would just be that annoying person in town who goes around and just says my precious in my chat bubble above my head the whole time and like running around. You Schmeagle. wouldn't
2: even play this game, would you? You would just stay in the town. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah.
0: She, I, I think maybe dwarf might be the best for you because they use all of the melee weapons like axes and stuff. Perfect. So they uh, the yeah, creatures. you would be
2: you'd be a good dwarf. Sweet. It's settled. I'll be definitely an elf, because of course. of course. Perfect.
0: I'll, I'll be Aurora him.
1: Yeah. Horse
0: Riders. Rah, rah, okay. Rah, rah. Moving on. Next up, Netflix has announced the Cuphead animated series. This write up comes from Game Informer. Steimer, would you like to read this one? Sure. Give me the
2: shortest one. I'm oh, sorry, no, you want to no, the, no, next no, you okay. the next one? You can take the next two, timer. How's that? Okay, I'll do two. I'll do two in a row. Two for the price of two. Anyways, uh, the Cuphead Show is coming to Netflix from King Features Syndicate with the game creators Chad and Jared Moldenhauer, I think I said that correctly, at Studio MDHR serving as executive producers. The project does not have a release date at this time, but the show features the game's 1930s-inspired cartoon style as Cuphead and his brother Mugman, Go on Adventures in Inkwell Isles. In the meantime, the brothers continue to work on the game's paid DLC, The Delicious Last Course, which is now scheduled to come out in 2020. I it's, think this is super awesome. Oh, yeah. It's very smart. Get that franchising money, man. Make Heck more yeah. merchandise. It's cute. You worked really hard in this art style. It looks amazing. Cash money. Get it. Cash money. I'm
1: looking at the um, the art that has been released. And it, it, it looks... looks- yeah, so they talked about how they, obviously
0: Cuphead was known for its very unique animation style and Studio MDHR um, took so long to publish this game because of the, their style of animation and how they translated it into video game engines. And so Netflix is working with them to digitize their animation process so that way it still is obviously hand-drawn, it's just hand-drawn digitally instead of hand-drawn, like literally on
2: drawn <laughs> Yeah. Like in a so,
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is great. I think they absolutely, you know, needed that push. I'm surprised Microsoft didn't push them to do it sooner. But I think what had happened, based off everything that I would learned from their development style, was that they were so far into the process of making Cuphead that it was too late to go back and create this new style of game making. And so instead they're like, let's just continue with our very inefficient method of making this game. And then for the <laughs> next thing... We're golden it's like south park Mm
1: -hmm. yes i think that's what they did south park i didn't think about that but that's a a really great example. i'm I'm full of great examples i think this is awesome i think this has a lot of potential the and from what i read this is going to be a a show that kids can watch but there's also going to be fun little jokes that adults will pick up on i guess kind of the tone of the game itself and like the simpsons yeah exactly it'll be good this is awesome you go on with your bad selves Yeah. Makes me want to buy a Cuphead shirt now. You should. There you go. I need to finish this game is what I need to do. I mean, do you? Not right now because I don't want any additional stress. But if they put in baby-ass baby mode,
2: I'm all in. Yes, if they baby-ass baby mode this shit, like, I'm there. I've, yeah. You know...
1: With a game like this, when I play co-op games, I like the hardest difficulty because I think it's fun to work with your partner and try to strategize and get good. Because I remember when Alexa and I played this a long time ago.
2: <laughs> we had a good time. We got we no, died a lot. No, this is such bullshit, Brittany, because you never play with us. You always are like, I don't want to play anything in co-op with you.
1: It's because well, she's talking
2: about playing with Jason. I, uh, yeah, I was Yeah, I was generalizing. She's talking about not, not
1: us, but only no. her husband. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about you. I apologize. No, I made a joke.
0: I, t- I texted Brittany last night. <laughs> Because I was playing Metro Exodus on my Xbox One, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. But I was online. I was like, I'm going to finish Metro tonight. And then I got the pop-up. Britt has signed online. And I was like, oh, my God, she's online. And so I texted her like as an LOL, like, oh, my gosh, I see you signing online. Uh, I can see the notifications now. Five hours later, she texted me back. (laughs) My Five phone.
1: hours. Yes. <laughs> this sounds correct.
0: Yeah, my photo's in
1: the bedroom. <laughs> I, I, hey. I texted what you. What do you do if there's an emergency in your life, Brittany? You have Jason's number. That's what I tell everyone. And I've told you ladies I don't thing. have Jason. Do I have Jason's number? You should have. His I'll number. give it to you. Oh. So you're telling
0: me I have to start pestering Jason every time I want to play games. Listen,
1: he married me, he signed up for this. Absolutely. <laughs> you heard it here first, Demers. Does Demurs <laughs> even listen to this show? He does. It's always Good. so weird because he we loves to Jason. it out while he's playing with Reb, and I'll hear your lady's voices, and I'll be like, What? And then I look, he's out in the field listening to our show. It's cute. Adorbs. Okay, next right. up. Next
2: story is mine. Ooh. Oh, man. I like the aggression. <laughs> mental health organization outlines problems facing the games industry. This is via Eurogamer. Nonprofit mental health organization, take this we are familiar with them, uh, has released a state-of-the-industry white paper outlining mental health concerns within game development. Take This will spend the rest of the year researching the issues with developers and encourages anyone working in the industry to share their related stories on social media using the hashtag, hashtag GameIndustryStory. The organization has already identified a number of factors impacting mental health, including issues with public perception, inclusiveness and diversity, and stress in the workplace, with a particular focus on crunch. A number of steps of it- have been pointed out to help employers address the problems, most involving policy changes, leadership training around mental health awareness, and better business structures supporting inclusion in the workplace. The paper also outlined areas of opportunity for further research regarding toxic behavior in the games industry and how it affects junior and senior employees, women, people of color, and LGBTQ Wow, LGBTQ plus individuals. That's a lot of letters. And that's it. That's the story. Yes. So I wanted to just highlight
0: a couple things. So you can find this paper at takethis.org. If you guys have been fans of What's Good for a long time, you know that Take This was one of our founding sponsors here at What's Good Games. So we have done a lot of work with them over the years, and we really support the whole concept of mental health awareness and the idea that it's okay to not be okay, which we've said on the show several times. So if you do want to see the entire white paper, I definitely recommend you head on over to their website check it out but i just wanted to read a couple of the bullet points that are on the, like the top level page it says this paper discusses specific industry trends that have negatively impacted the mental health of its employees and leaders job stress instability and longevity are significant problems facing the games industry game development has become a career path that frequently demands long hours and lacks job stability and clear Career trajectories. Only one third of developers remain in the industry for 10 years or more. That is telling. Fifty-three percent of game developers report that Crunch, working more than 40 hours per week over an extended period of time. So that's the key there. It's not just one week, it's extended, is an expected component of their employer with less than 18% reporting overtime compensation for exceeding 40 hours a week of work. Crunch, which is related to burnout, is identified by emotional exhaustion, reduced personal accomplishment, and feelings of hopelessness. The average number of employees for game developers in a five-year period is 2.2. Wait, the average number of employers, excuse me. So essentially meaning... That people are changing jobs every couple of years. Job instability is related to increased stress, work anxiety, and depression. To reduce burnout in the industry, management should minimize determinants, maximize protective factories, and begin to change industry cultural norms around work environment and work hours. While the video game while video games are a form of mainstream media, the industry lacks diversity and a sense of inclusion. So they go on, they have a lot of these bullet points and then they kind of deep dive into this white paper about, you know, answers from their surveys and how to combat certain things that I thought it was important to bring this up in our show, not only because of our longstanding relationship with take this as an organization, but also as something that frequently gets pushed to the back burner when new exciting news like Nintendo switch Lite is, is out. And so if you guys are interested and you want to learn more about, uh, this, white paper again go to take
2: this .org mm-hmm. All right uh Brittany Who this wants is to talk all about of you. Gigantamaxing
1: I just wanted to inc- There's not a lot of news here I just have to read cuz it's so ridiculous in the best way possible All right this comes from Polygon New Pokémon Gigantamaxing revealed for Pokémon Sword and Shield A new trailer filled with information about the upcoming Pokémon Sword and Shield released on Monday Showing off a couple of new mons, as well as a mechanic, Gigantamaxing. Let me stop you there for a second. Is this a thing? Mons? I didn't think so. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. I've never... Okay. Girl, I I got you. I pick up what you're putting down. I hope this is never, ever a thing. Okay. The trailer showed off some new Pokemon. (laughs) The trailer showed off some new Pokemon, including a proper reveal of Yamper, the electric-type Corgi Pokemon we all grew to love at E3. Roly-Coley, a new rock type, and Drolaludon, a steel and dragon type. There's also now Alcreme, a whipped cream fairy type that seems to turn into a huge cake when Gigantamaxed. Wait, what? Which is a, dude, I, yes. Oh my God. Which is, is, a is a separate so thing from Dynamaxing. No, oh, dude. I thought it was the same thing. So oh, have, that's why I got confused. Yeah, yeah. You have Dynamax and you have Gigantamax, which completely oh. changes the appearance. And that is one delicious motherfucking looking cake. I'll tell you right. Wait, okay. I have to, I have to see this, this now. now. Yeah, 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 I'll keep. Re- yeah, I'll creme and uh, Gigantamax. Look Al-creme. it up. I'll Gigant- creme. <laughs> perfect, Simmer. Perfect. Gigantamaxy not only makes the Pokemon huge, but it also changes their appearances and allows them to do a G-Max move, which is specific. Oh my god. To- which is specific to each Gigantamax Pokemon. I'll creme Gigantamaxes into a large cake. Corviknight Gigantamaxes into a bigger bird with some red accents, and Dreadnought Gigantamaxes into a turtle with a much bigger shell. The game's website notes that you can catch Gigantamax Pokemon by participating in max raid battles, but they'll be hard to find. Chairman Rose, the man in charge of the Galar region Pokemon League, was also shown along with the vice president, a woman named Olena. I'm video- sorry. Video they, games.
2: They, they called it the G-Max move. <laughs> They sure did, Steiner. The G Max move.
0: I love it. Um, I love uh, it. This is so on brand. (laughs) That cake does look really good. I know. Yeah, so the, the El Creme uh, Pokemon is actually super cute. It has, like, little strawberries on the sides, and now I instantly want strawberry shortcake. Yes, so let's get to go some. to the grocery store and pick up whipped cream and strawberries tonight, because that's how badly I want it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Gigantamax version with the cake is very impressive. The eyes, I thought, were going to be bigger, but it's just, like, essentially, like, the part of the Pokemon that looks alive is like the cake topper? It's the cake topper, yeah. yeah.
1: I think we've peaked. I don't know how this... I mean, <laughs> when we got the garbage bags, I, I, I
2: didn't think oh they could get Oh my god, is this a gigantic
1: garbage bag? <laughs> I don't know, but all I know is now we have a fucking cake, po- like a legit cake Pokemon. Could you imagine having the gym battle, and then all of a sudden there's a huge cake fighting for you? What have we become? I, I don't, don't know. know. I, don't, I don't
0: know. I don't... I'm never gonna understand Pokemon. I'm not. <laughs> so but good. like... You don't have to. just
1: love it, Andrea. Oh, Did you
2: see just, how everyone was really mad about the tail whip animation for your uh, Yamper? No, I... Oh, I saw... This is what I saw on Twitter. People are weird about they corgis. Were,
0: Can I just say... I'm going to have a moment here for all a right, second. girl. Okay, you go on, on with it. your corgi moment. Where I need to express okay. my utter confusion, bewilderment, and maybe a slight disgust for people's obsession with corgi butts. Like I oh. get that they're furry and cute, but this whole idea that there's like this internet subculture around looking at corgi butts and watching videos of corgis walk away, and like that their little butt—I'm like, it's weird that you're looking at the butt of the creature and being like, "Ooh, I love its butt so much," and like you. So we know that Andrea is, and is not an ass about woman. It. No, I love ass. <laughs> But like you privately love ass, okay? Like oh. you don't post fit- pictures online. <laughs> don't of the ass shatter you're my looking dreams. At, oh right? my Listen, god. We all ogle butts. We do it. Oh Everybody yeah. Everybody likes butts. It's part of our DNA as humans to look at butts. And there's like a big like like reason for that that I'm not gonna go into here. You Wait, put, like, you know butts? a scientific reason for butts?
2: You gotta yeah, sell so them.
0: I'll tell t- I'll tell you about it later because it's okay. just too long and complicated okay. to talk about it here. But The idea that I would publicly disclose to people the butts that I'm ogling that like on a regular basis, every once in a while, it's fun for us to joke around about Henry Cavill's butt in his wisher costume, right? Because like that was the thing, right? But like constantly making like websites dedicated to corgi butts, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. And I'm not saying you're wrong or gross. I'm just really befuddled. And I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I don't think you have to do anything, but I like that you're so passionate
2: about this.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's because I have a disproportionate amount of friends who have corgis and are into corgis and are constantly posting about
1: corgis and corgi butts. And I'm like, stop oh. it. It's weird. Could you say that you are? be Wait, I fucked it up. Never mind. Bef- be- are you fut- butt fuddled? Butt fuddled? <laughs> okay, befuddled. Because FUD kind of, you can. I feel like you could turn that into butt. But Elmer you fudd. Be buttled you anyway. Put, you could potentially. I, I hear you, girl. I mean, here's the thing: it's it's one thing to be like, "Oh, be it's buttled. so cute. Look at the way that little corgi walks, and its little butt go inside to side. Oh, it's cute. It waddles." And you move on with your life. But if you spend more than like 30 seconds a day looking at corgi butts and how they walk away, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you have an issue. I'm just saying that's oh, not- I am. Okay, <laughs> but you like, are.
2: What if you own a corgi? You're going to spend way more than 30 seconds looking at that corgi but butt when was, whenever you walk a dog, you're, you're looking at his ass. Different if you're just, yeah, just if you're just looking at your dog
0: when it's walking that's not the same thing. No. I'm talking about I idolizing, idolizing,
1: idolizing it, it can be it can Ooh-hoo. it can come across a little odd. So you just gotta be careful the way you portray your uh, appreciation for corgi butts. Wow.
2: I don't care. You can appreciate whatever you want to appreciate. It's fine.
1: But, <sighs> but literally, I want
2: to eat this cake. <laughs> yeah.
0: Listen again for the record. I'm not saying you're not allowed allowed to like corgi butts. I'm just expressing my bewilderment,
2: That's my But fuddlement
1: yes,
2: I understand, <laughs> but the weird part to well, it's not weird, I guess. But the Yamper doesn't have like a traditional corgi butt because he's got a tail. So the, the the whole the whole issue with this is, and it's the animation hasn't changed, and they're all mad because they're yeah, like, because it's the animation. This is the same tail whip animation from the last Pokemon. <laughs> And they're probably like, "Oh,
1: it's a cute thing for a corgi to wiggle its butt, and then it's not doing it, so people are mad about it. It would have it, right. it, it would have been a cute little touch if you did like a little cute like haha, but it's it's not it's uh, it would
2: have been really nice if they animated the corgi butt to do an actual corgi wiggle, right, which is a thing right. But I'm also not going to not buy this game because of it. <laughs> like, <it's not.
1: laughs> I kind of, I don't know, I don't know what clicked, ladies, but something clicked with me recently. Maybe it's because you know, for those of you who don't know, like some of my family members have been going through some shit, like health wise, and it's just kind of been an eye opener about how what the important things really are in life. But anymore, I feel like I open up Twitter and I look, and someone within like two seconds of scrolling, and I follow a good group of people who are in the industry, people I know personally. Someone is mad about something. Someone is always finding something to be mad about. And it's like, this is so trivial to be mad about a corgi butt or to be mad about oh, what was someone mad about earlier yeah, in the Nintendo Switch Lite. It's like, man.
2: Although maybe we're, I think, number one, so I think I was talking to somebody about this. I don't remember who it was. And we've gone on a very nice tangent here, yeah, but whatever. Um, social media in general has just made us more dramatic as a species, right? Like, we, even if we're not actually mad... We could post something that makes it sound like we are and like, and it's just a flit. Like, maybe it's just like a fleeting comment to you, but like, then you go scroll through and you're like, wow, this person's really mad. Maybe that person's not mad. Maybe that person is not even looking at Twitter anymore, but it, but it reads that way. And like, it comes across and then you all, it like just becomes, and it feeds off of the same things. And like, it just grows like a snowball. Um... But
1: it, I think if there's a difference between like sometimes I'll post something in all caps, right? I'm like, oh, my God, this is so blah, blah, blah. And then that's me being Brit and dramatic. But it's when I see people talking about the Nintendo Switch Lite all lowercase, you know, in a very a, a serious sort of tone. People who write for a living who I feel like would know how to how their tweets and how to convey their emotions via a tweet. You know, this is fucking stupid. Who would want to buy this? This is a bad move from Nintendo. This makes no sense whatsoever. Who
2: would ever buy this? I'm like,
1: whoa, why are you so
2: mad? I don't know man but like that's their cross to bear you yeah. go be mad you go on with your bad self you yeah. be mad
1: I just like scroll scroll and I'm I like i done can tell I'm you done.
2: it's a waste of energy yeah. But, yeah but like I guess my point was more like I at least like even this morning when I joke tweeted at Andrea and she texted me and she was like why are you throwing me under the bus and I'm like I'm really not like I'm completely joking and I do not care but <laughs> also this gets the Twitter hits it does
0: yeah, anyway. I mean, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> for another time about why the angry stuff always gets more coverage than the positive stuff. Yes, very um, true. Anyway. Like how the U.S. women's team that won the World Cup got probably way more coverage when Megan Rapino talked about how she's not going to the fucking White House than when they actually won the World Cup. Yes, I feel like, yeah, yep. no, same thing.
1: I was like, yep. oh, that's sad. <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> feel like sometimes energy is best, you know, you know channeled in a positive way As positive exactly yeah there you go I love this bread. yeah I got you and on that note
0: let's channel our positive energy into a short break before we come back and talk about what we've been playing and this week we've got some good ones so stick with us everybody we'll be right back Welcome to segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing and our hands-on impressions of new video games. So, this week, we're going to be talking about some interesting things. But before we get to that, I have to tell you, it's brought to you by MeUndies. Summer comes with a number of awesome perks. Vacations, beach days, barbecues, But the one perk that outshines them all... Is summer themed undies courtesy of, you guessed it, Me Undies. <laughs> Me Undies is the only brand that lets you eat pineapple while wearing pineapple undies or watch the sky light up on the 4th of July knowing your undies are doing the same. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Amazing. Um, like, the Me Undies copy is so fun every month because they truly are fantastic about updating their prints. I just got one in the mail that has a bunch of. Uh sharks on it. I think sharks.
2: Yeah, I got like no, mermaids it's, or something. It's mermaids. Yeah, mermaids. Yeah, the yeah. mermaids.
0: The sharks they just brought back. I got an email about that. Ooh, I like and- sharks. John loves these undies so much that I bought him a subscription and a membership for his birthday, which was in June. So now he gets a new fancy pair because the membership, if you guys don't know, has an exclusive print that you can only get uh, if you are a member. Something worth checking out if you're really into me undies like we are. Um, But let's talk about comfort. Me Undy's scientists spent countless hours in their underwear labs, testing out the softest fabrics in all of the land. The result? The micromodal fabric, which is a full three times softer than that boring old cotton. Your move, Cotton. <laughs> Not only that, but you can match your bottom half with your better half in matching prints and colors. Look out for new summer themed prints dropping every Tuesday. Me Undies also makes the softest lounge pants and onesies you've ever felt. We talk about how much we love our Me Undies onesies on this show all the time. We all have that matching strawberry print. And finally, you can match your Pup with their new Buddy Bands. Brittany, you know about this for Reb? No. Available in the same prints and colors as their undies. This is important stuff, people. That's right. Buddy Bands. Check it out. You guys can go to meundies.com slash WGG to get a great offer for all of our What's Good Games listeners for any first-time purchasers. When you get any MeUndies product, you're going to get 15% 15% off and free shipping. This is a big fat, duh, of course you want this. It's 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. To get your 15% off, you got to go to meundies.com slash WGG to get that first pair 15% off free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And listen, it's summer. It's hot. You know what's good? Hanging out in your underwear when it's hot. Yes. You gotta
2: have your cute, cute underwear. You. Meandies.com slash WGG. I also think their socks are very underrated because yes. their no show socks are fucking great.
1: I'm currently hey, wearing my Stormtrooper pajama bottoms that I got from Meandies. Yeah, those are comfy. Nice. I probably That's need to John's wash them. my favorite onesie. I need to wash oh, really? them.
0: Again? Again, Brittany? Like, legit. did we talk about this? We did.
1: We have talked about this, but they're so comfortable. And I'm not, obviously, not just saying this. I, I literally don't want to wear anything else. And so, um, yeah. I need I need to stick them okay. in the old washero, but it's fine. Just get another pair. You can swap them out. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Alright, so let's talk about
0: what we've been playing. Yeah. Who wants to go first? Steimer does.
2: Oh, shit. I want to hear about her talk to- about <laughs> Daddy Nero. Oh, I find this interesting Uh-oh. that you were like, oh my gosh, Nero. And I was like, Nero's fine. Don't get me wrong. Nero's hot. But... How are you into you really, Dante? You really think wh- wow, okay, these are the these are the people you think that I'm into. Are this you into the other guy? V Dante. is way cooler. Really? Dante's way cooler. No, that yeah. Dante. No no no. Oh, here we go. V. My,
1: okay, what's good about this is oh, we can all have our V's a new character.
2: We can all yeah. have our own
1: man. I can have Nero, Andrea can have Dante, and you can have V. It's
2: perfect. It's not even that I want to be with him. I just think he's way fucking cooler.
1: Uh always like, fun
2: to look at. I'm like, yes, I will 100% His agree with Special abilities that. Are, are cooler. Mm-hmm. Via's mm-hmm. way better style and like way cooler powers, in my opinion. And I thoroughly enjoy playing as him much more than I enjoy playing Asante. I really Nero. like playing Fuck. as him too. Other white haired boy.
1: Yeah. I feel like he was a, a kind of like a Pokemon trainer in a sense, you know, where you have your, you know, you can control what they do, with their actions via different button mapping. And it's like, yeah, you go do that and you go do that. And you're keeping an eye on it. That'd be a good way to do a real time action Pokemon game.
2: I if mean, if thought. it wasn't for the tattoos, which would be difficult, I would do a gender bend cosplay of this person because it sounds super fun, and then you could have super cool outfit and be super gothy and emo and like walk around with a book and read it and be really pretentious and shit, dude. Sounds you great. Should I would uh, need to get like those sleeve things made. And yeah, that yeah, annoying. you totally should. That'd be awesome. Um, are you having a good time with the game now? It's interesting. So like. In the sense that, yes, I'm having fun with the gameplay, but at first I was like, I don't know if I like the start-stoppiness of it, Mm. where it's just, I mean, it's very traditional, and if you've ever played a Devil May Cry, you'll understand if you've not. um, Essentially, it's very linear, and it's all broken up into separate missions, and you're trying to basically have the best combos, whatever. You're trying to rack up as many points, style points, as you can, which will then give you red orbs slash skulls, whatever, and... That's the currency that you use to unlock new moves, whatever, so on and so forth. And um, it just took me a little bit to get used to that again, because I feel like there's so much open world stuff now that that's what I'm used to. Right. So then going back to being like, start, stop, start, stop. And I was like, this is kind of annoying me at first. But then I really grew to appreciate it because, again, I'm an old ass lady and I only have time for a few things a night. And now I feel like it gives me distinct stopping points. Mm-hmm. Um to be like, oh, okay, I will play two more missions and then I will go to bed. And I have enough time for those because they're not like super incredibly long. Um, so that's kind of like where where I've found it flowing with me now. It's like, okay, this is actually a really good game for my time management. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, no, it's super fun. And again, I I get way more style points playing as V. I'm also playing on baby-ass baby mode because I cannot be bothered to learn all the combos. Absolutely. Um, but with him, I'm always, it's always like, S, S, S. I'm like, yeah! And then Nero, I'm always like, fucking barely getting an A. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I don't know, just triangle. Just fuck, just stab him with yeah. the sword.
1: So the it's game is fine. super over the top. Do you like that about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... Definitely appreciate the ridiculousness of it. Um, especially the fact that the girl in the van can just follow you around no matter where you are. And she's yep. just like, Hold on, I'll be there in a second. She's like drops from the sky and you're like, Cool. <laughs> I like it. If you if you're just you have to like be open to it and let it flow. Her voice threw me off a lot at first i was
0: like i'm but, not a- like weird accent that's not quite like a southern accent but maybe it
2: is and you can't really quite tell yes i was like wait huh like i was like this is the voice coming out of this person all right but then now again now she's growing on me i feel like all the characters are slowly growing on me um i don't know that i love nero for anything other than eye candy purposes mm-hmm. he's just kind of there to swing his big sword around and that'll do big <laughs> that'll do but ah, otherwise like, I think I'm more interested in the other characters and what's going on with them um than I am with with him but yeah that's okay yeah no it is okay but yeah. yeah I'm digging it it's a it's a fun little game thanks for the reco. oh yeah girl oh, I'm happy you're liking
1: it yeah it was the first Devil May Cry I'd ever really played and I love the overtop cheesiness of it all Kind of like the little bayonetta style of it, like just stuff that you said it's so ridiculous. Like, where is this van coming from? I don't know. How are they doing so many flips? How is that cigarette landing in her mouth like that? None of it makes sense,
2: but it's Dude, just that so good. Dude, that cinematic was so cool, though. R- yeah, r- I know. They like give each other the nod, and then they both like he flies out of the car, and then it does like fifty million flips. And I was like, I am not even tracking this to know if it's no. doable. But and you got it's that cool. music in
1: the background, and you're like, yeah. yes,
2: yeah. No, it's 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 a fun game, and it's very it doesn't take itself too seriously lately so far. Right. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. And then again, fucking V, you have a cool Raven friend. You have a cool Panther friend. Who doesn't want that?
1: Stymer always wants the animal buddies. Yes, give, give her me a cape all the animals and some animal friends, and she's he happy. Is lacking and a donut, a cape,
2: but that's okay. Yeah, pretty I much. Yeah.
1: Yay! Yes,
2: capes, donuts, animals. animals. There, these are a few. My, my favorite, favorite things. things. <laughs> we'll re,
0: we'll rewrite that song just for you, including animals, capes and donuts. Sounds great.
2: Mm. Looking forward to it.
0: But I'm glad that you're trying something different. And I think it's going to be one of the best games of the year because I think Capcom did a really fantastic job with it. And it's super fun. And there's no shame again in playing in baby s baby mode. Have fun with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think if I started playing this game on normal, I would not like it. Um, but the baby ass baby mode is perfect. I never feel like because there's, I get intimidated by the size of monsters sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> and like if I have to play that on normal, I'm gonna be like, <sighs> like having a bit of a you know heart yeah. palpitations, and and now I'm like, haha, I've I've done enough of these so far already that I will be totally fine, even if I am just sitting here button mashing and sort of knowing what I'm doing, but not really knowing what I'm doing, and like mm-hmm. kind of have that nice balance of idiocy and.
0: I love that. But I think that's what Devil May Cry 5 does really well is that it allows you as a newcomer to the franchise or as somebody who is looking for, you know, an easier entry and not looking for that really deep combo system to say there's room for both. Right, there's room for people like you who are like, I just want to explore the kind of spectacle of it all. And then room for people who are like, I want to get into the nitty gritty of this combo and style system and really learn the ins and outs of each of the different characters' special abilities and how I can maximize the combat abilities. And I think that's what they really excelled at with this game is to say, it's super fun for people to just pick up and play, but also has a really deep combo Design or excuse me, combat design with the combo system that makes people feel it's rewarding at the upper difficulty levels.
2: So, the other thing I yeah. I wanted to mention that I didn't realize was happening <laughs> for a little bit, but it was like I was playing the game and I looked over and I was like, looks like there's something happening over there, but I don't I don't know what's going on. And then I kind of like it dawned on me that like as you play certain levels, you can see V. Or see, I suppose Dante and insert depending on what it is, um, and it's like another player that's also playing, and they're doing that section, and I was like, "Wait, what, and like at the end, you can award them style points or something for being mm-hmm. super cool at the first time, I'm so sorry, whoever you were, I did not award you any points. I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> And I was like, no, what? What? And so I just clicked no. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe I, that was, oh, shit. Maybe I should have. So now anytime that comes up, I hit yes. And I reward the other person who is also playing. Um, but one of these missions that I just did, I didn't even play. like Because then what happened with that section is then it, eventually I played as V through that one area. Mm-hmm. But just hit one where I it was like, do you want to be V or Nero? And I was like, duh, V. <laughs> and so I selected him and then I saw, you know, someone else playing as Dante through it. Or God, why do I keep calling him Dante? I mean, they look exactly the same. So that's oh. why. But Nero playing as <laughs> Nero.
1: Um, i remember that too when i when i was playing it was during the review period so the game hadn't been out yet so the people who were playing next to me were dmc staff so you know like the developers and i was so nervous because i was like i'm so bad i'm sorry i'm making your game look really bad but they gave me style points so
2: i felt really good about it you're like yeah i'm still styling Like mean, me fact that i can get s ra- or like triple s ranks yeah is just they're not real triple S ranks, but I will take them. We'll accept them as such. I will accept my fake S ranks.
1: <laughs> my fake ass. Rank. <laughs> yes. Hey, they're not
0: fake to you. Okay. They mean something. They mean that I said, go, cat, go,
1: go, bird, go and go giant lump monster. You're <laughs> the least
2: cool of the three.
1: Dude, you can ride that thing later, though. And that's really Ooh, cool. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah.
2: So good. I can't ride she the big boy monster.
1: yet. <laughs> Pull my devil tricker.
2: That's my yeah. song. Anyways, um, fun cool. game. Are you going to finish it, you think? Yeah, I don't think it'll take me too long. And no. again, because I can like break it up easily. It could be like, all right, a couple missions a night. Yeah. Knock this bad boy out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There you go. Um. Okay, cool. So I'm going to make the weirdest... Pivot ever uh, okay. from cool style points. We've got animal friends and three hot dudes with this cool chick to a game that has a lot of emotions ah. and feelings. Um, so this week I got to play and I finished Sea of Solitude. Sea of Solitude launched last Friday. A lot of people tweeted to me after I talked about playing this game on Twitter and was like, I didn't even know that game was out. When is it out? I was like, it's out now. So this has been a label of, excuse me, this has been a labor of love from the team at Joy May Games and I've known Cornelia Geppert for quite a few years now in the video game industry and she and I got the opportunity to work together for the first time at EA Play last year when I hosted and she presented Sea of Solitude on stage and then, I unfortunately didn't get to see her at EA Play this year because I wasn't there, but I'm so happy for her and the team and everything that they were able to accomplish with this game. If you're unfamiliar with what Sea of Solitude is, it's essentially a little indie adventure game. I would call it more of a, I don't, I am, walking sim is not quite right. It doesn't really have... It doesn't really fit into any specific mold. Is there platforming? Genres. There is a little bit of platforming, yes. So I guess you could technically call it a platformer, but Mm. it doesn't feel like it's the focus of the game because each level has a little bit of a different mechanic. But there there is quite a bit of platforming in the game. So let's just call it a puzzle platform game. And what I really enjoyed about this was how poignant so much of the storytelling and the writing was. I know this game has been a little bit divisive among people. There are some people that really love this game and what it's saying and how powerful its message is. And then there's people on the other side who are like, I don't really get it. It's too on the nose. The puzzles aren't challenging and it's just not much of a game. I'm not here to say whether someone's deeply emotional piece of art should be judged as a as a the same that you would judge, you know, any other platformer. I I think it's really difficult to talk about this game in that sense because it's such a personal story from from Connie and as the as the lead writer and really looking at these really emotional experiences of of loneliness and depression and really kind of tackling those issues head on and that's what I walked away from Does it have some lacking moments of gameplay? Absolutely. Could it benefit from a little bit more nuance with the writing and the storytelling? Absolutely. You know, I don't think I'm going to be talking about Sea of Solitude in the same vein as I talked about Celeste last year. But when I look at them side by side as two games that had something powerful to say about not only mental health, but also telling this emotional story, they're just completely different experiences from an artistic standpoint. I thought Celeste felt more gameplay focused where Sea of Solitude feels like it's way more narrative focused. I think like it almost feels more like an interactive story than it feels like a game. And I... And I'm okay with that because I walked into that experience not expecting to play a game. I walked in knowing what I was getting into. I was like, I've heard a lot about this game. I've known Connie. She's talked to me about it. I know that this is going to be like an experience. And it really was. So the game you play as a woman named Kay, she's a young woman. She kind of doesn't really have an age. It's hard to tell if she's like in her early 20s or early 30s and you kind of – can't really tell like where she's at um, in her life based off what you've seen, but each chapter of the story kind of follows her as she tackles these monsters, not only her own monster within her, but monsters in her life. There's a chapter about her experience with her brother. There's a chapter about her parents. There's a chapter about her boyfriend. And each one really hits on these experiences that – are so reminiscent of experiences, I think, that everyone has had tangentially in their life. It might not be exactly. Like, your parents might have gone through this exact thing, and your brother, this exact thing, but you've known somebody who's come close. And it was tough. Like, some chapters were more poignant than others. I grew up with divorced parents, so the chapter with the parents and what they were struggling with um, didn't resonate with me as as much as it might with other people who grew up in a household with parents who – had issues or who had communication problems. But the chapter with the brother was like particularly devastating for me because of how they portrayed what he went through. I'm trying to keep things as vague as possible because I don't want to spoil it for people who want to experience the narrative for themselves and really see how it unfolds. But I hope that we're able to one day do a spoiler cast with Connie about this game because I think it would be really fascinating to learn about her process and how she went about writing this and everything that she emotionally had to kind of wrestle with and grapple with in the process of making this game and transferring it to an interactive experience that she really is putting in front of the world. But I can't recommend it enough. If you are interested in these more softer art focused, narrative focused indie experiences, it's something that I would take the time to play. It's short, you could sit down and play it in a single evening. It took me about three to four hours to play through the whole thing. And I just it really spoke to me in a way and really resonated with me in ways that I was not anticipating.
1: Mm. I, I'm i very interested. I was going to um, actually pick this up today, but I got whisked away to another place physically. I, I was not home. It's not like I got taken away in some metaphorical place. Anyway, so what I was kind of curious about was because I remember playing Gris. And that game, what I really loved about it is that you everything you saw around you, you can interpret in a certain way. I remember, you know, when you have the heavy block on you and you have to really like hunker down to get through the really powerful gusts of winds that were trying to blow you away. You know, you can look at that in a multitude of different ways. Is it kind of that way here? Do you kind of have to take it and pull something from it? Or is it pretty evident what you're looking at?
0: It's a little bit more on the nose Mm. than that. Uh, it's certainly in the cutscenes, it's definitely on the nose. I think you know um, um Greece is a good example because it's was a little bit more allegorical. Same with Celeste. Like I think that was why people really heralded Celeste as such a great example because there's a lot that you can infer from your own emotional lens playing the game because a lot of it was kind of like left for the player to interpret. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Sea of Solitude, this is very clearly a a point of view and an experience that happened. A lot of the dialogue makes it so that there's no room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what some people's problem with this game is is that they're like, it's very much the lens of the creator and, and the team that made the game and not leaving anything for the player to uh, take away from. And I, I don't, I personally don't see that as a flaw. I just see it as a different style. It's just a choice. Of, mm-hmm. Right. I, just a different style of game making, right? And so that's the that's the tough thing for some people. And so I understand why people are giving it really mixed scores and it's kind of a bummer for me because I would hope that they would see this as more of a personal work than as something left for interpretation. But it's just like different strokes for different folks, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that from you because I was also reading a review on Destructoid and they said the same thing you said, which essentially it feels almost wrong to assign this game a review score. It doesn't feel right to do it, but you know they had to for the sake of the the website. But uh, yeah, it's very rare that we come across games like that where it's such a personal and emotional experience that you almost hesitate to review it.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a the scene particularly with um, the boyfriend later on, and like these people manifest as monsters in the game, which is really interesting. And visually, I think it's really beautiful, and what they're doing stylistically is really neat, and I love the animation style. But there's no interpretation as to what happened. You're almost watching what happened to somebody. It's like they're almost telling you, as a friend, like, I need to tell you about what happened to me and tell you, like, he said this, I said this, he said this, I said this. Like, the way that the dialogue plays out is super powerful because it feels really real. It feels like a conversation that you could have heard from a friend or from a family member, maybe happened to you. And that's why I think it feels you know, so personal and why I think a lot of reviewers are struggling to assign a score to it or critique it because it feels like it's Connie's story. And she's even said as much in interviews that a lot of it is super personal to her. And she's really kind of put a lot of her emotional vulnerability on display for everybody to look at and to judge, which is super difficult to think Mm -hmm. about. Like, I can't imagine putting a really hard situation in my life that broke me in front of everybody, let alone in front of everybody as a video game that they get to play through and then judge and critique and slap a score on. like It's really remarkable how much she put herself out there. And for that, I absolutely applaud her and the rest of the Joy May team for for doing such a great job with this game. Um, But that said means that everybody's going to see it differently and feel it differently. And some gamers don't want that. Some gamers just want a game. They want to have fun. And, a lot of times we talk about games and like they have to be fun in order for you to want to keep playing them. And this, I think to its benefit, is very brief. So it doesn't feel like it labors too much in each area. And the mechanics for each chapter are slightly different. And so I think that really helps kind of identify each chapter individually. So it doesn't feel repetitive, but it doesn't feel difficult. Like if you're going into this, thing, sort of like an have- Edith Finch kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. But I would say even the puzzles, some of the puzzle elements in Edith Finch were more challenging than this. There was only like one or two levels that I had to like stop and work out a little bit. But yeah, I would say it's even easier of an experience than than Edith Finch. But very, that's a really fantastic example, though, of a very similar style of like very narrative focus, and it's less about the gameplay and more about the storytelling.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I want to play this game. I think it looks um, interesting and I'm I I thought it was interesting back, obviously, when they debuted it at EA uh, and I was like, oh, cool. But then, yeah, I hadn't heard anything about it coming out. So when you were like, I played this game, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> did you get an Did you get an early code or what? And then you're like, it's out. I was like, what? Yeah, I didn't get an early code, but I do have to thank EA for
0: sending me the code for this game. Um, but it's not that expensive of a game. Um, if you want to check it out, it's available now. I think the reason why kind of got swept under the rug is because they debuted it on Friday, July 5th, which was after the holiday and wow. during the holiday weekend here in the United States. And so... It came out when, like, all of these – the, and the embargo from what I uh, am aware was, like, either on the 4th of July or was on no. that Friday. Why would you do that? No. Yeah, it was oh. a bad call. I guess you don't have really have a lot of other competition, but it also means no one's
1: looking. Yeah, we're all hungover on the 5th. That's what's going on.
0: Or people are camping on summer vacations. Hungover. a older. long weekend, right? So it kind of suffered from that. But um, if you were interested at all, it's out now, and you guys can check it out. Cool. Um, I'll talk about Lego tower in a second, but Brittany, you finished judgment and you said on Twitter, this is your number two game of the year.
1: Yeah, probably more personally than critically, but I had so much fun with this. So all in all, I clocked in at 62 hours, I think on this game and my total completion at the end was 70%. So there's a lot of good. Yeah. There's a ton of side stuff that you need to do. Um, there is some, the reason, one of the side things is you have to recruit all of your friends, you have to make all the friends you can make, and then that unlocks side missions. Um, Wait, but you have
2: of, to do this to finish the game? No, no, no. If you, oh, if oh, it, oh. Yeah.
1: So part of like the side completion stuff that I really enjoyed, and what I spent a lot of time focusing on, there's 50 characters in this game that you can befriend, and there's 50 side missions. Then in order to unlock all the side missions, you have to befriend all 50 people, or all 49 people, 49 people, and then the 50th unlocks but one of them required me to learn how to play oh god what's the name of the game with the little um little dice looking not dice domino looking things starts with an m mahjong yes one of the thank you one of the oh, um, mahjong. one of the one of the friend unlocks required me to learn how to play that and i was like i'm new i knew i was toward the end cuz i got the thing final chapter and you get that little warning that's like hey if you proceed any further you might not be able to turn back around so I just knowing I was so close to the end, I didn't want to have to learn how to play it to get the extra friend. But no, everything I said
2: before still stands. <laughs> Dear extra friend, you're not <laughs> worth it. Goodbye. Sorry,
1: <laughs> Sorry you're not. <laughs> but no, I just I just love this game so much. It's been a long time since I've spent 60 hours in a game like this that I that I was sad about ending. You know, usually you know, the game is 60 hours. Usually about our hour like 50 to 55, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. But I was really sad when it ended. I'm still kind of going through that withdrawal phase where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go play Judgment tonight. It's like, oh, no, I'm not. I finished that oh, game. Because you're, you're done with it?
0: You don't think that you want to go back and play some of the side content? Or did you just say that?
1: No, I didn't say that. Um, okay. No, yeah, no, you're, you're listening. Thank you. I got I got confused.
0: I was like, did you talk about it? Because I, I, that's how I felt about Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. When I finished it, I was like, I want to keep playing this game. And that's why I became, to this day, the only game I platinumed.
1: You See, after I finish a game, if there's no more narrative to be in, to be discovered, I just don't go back. Um, I just I feel like I've done all the things. Now I'm just kind of putzing around this world, not really making any progress. But no, like I said yeah. before, it's it's incredibly fun. It's really silly and quirky, and the characters are really wacky, and it's just kind of a cheesy, over the top kung fu movie. And I love everything about it. And I'm really surprised that it grabbed my attention the way it did. And obviously, you know, we are uh, getting a new Yakuza game. I don't know if soon or not, but we got a little reveal today where it just revealed the female actress who's going to be um, one of the main character sidekicks. And then in August, we're getting more information on the game itself. So really excited. Love this game. Highly recommend it. It's silly. It's quirky. And it's just a good time. Just fun. It's a good nice. beat 'em up Yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad that you had fun. Sometimes you just need one of those games that you know that you enjoy playing. And I did. You just sort of like I had I had fun. But then and you I run into like,
1: like that team is known for that style. Oh, of yeah, game. absolutely. You'll feel right at home if you played any of the Yakuza games. But then you run into the issue of what the hell do I play now? Because you know once you finish something that you had so much fun with, it's like you can't just hop into another game. It's kind of, it's, it's why not? I can't. If no, because like- you no yeah you get
2: that weird sad withdrawal thing. Yes, I, at least it's- I do too. It's like a weird sad depression once you finish something you really liked.
1: Yeah, particularly when you're uh, attached to the characters, especially in Bioware games, you know, like oh, Mass Effect yeah. or Dragon Age or even The Witcher. After you finish it, I feel like I just, I feel like more through a mini breakup. I can't just hop into something right away. No, have, same. Yeah. I have to play something totally different. So the review embargoes tomorrow so I can talk about it. So I've been, star- I started Dragon Quest Builders 2 and okay. uh, I'm only like an hour and a half into it and then it just wasn't clicking because I was still missing judgment so much. I was like, I, I can't do this. So. I guess I can talk about my next game. I was like, I want to play something really random and totally opposite. And Dragon Quest Builders is totally opposite. But it was a little too, like, cutesy-wootsy after I just got done doing, like, this old, grim, like, storyline. So I found this game called Back in 1995. And this actually came out a couple years ago, but it just recently released on console. And if there's ever a game that's like, this is a game Brit would love, it's this one. So this game is made to look like it's a PlayStation 1 game. And it has all... Okay, I'm just going to read the the little, the little blurb here that I have. Okay, so the developer is called Throw the Warped Code Out. <laughs> I think it's a one-man team. And the description is, A throwback to the survival horror and mystery games of original PlayStation back in 1995 faithfully recreates everything from this all-but-forgotten era of games. So when you read through the features of this game... It's kind of like, why would you ever play this? But, again, I'm Brittany. So, the first bullet point. Get get lost in the nostalgic world of retro 3D graphics, including low-res models, texture warping, CRT emulation, and fixed CCTV-style camera angles. And relive the mystery game genre with old-school user interface and tank controls. (laughs) So... Like, on paper, you're thinking, like, why the hell would anyone play this? And I'll admit, I asked myself that very same question multiple times while I was playing this. Jason was sitting next to me. I'm like, why am I even playing this game? Well, it only takes, like, an hour and an hour half to finish. So I knew that going into it. So there is a story to this game, but I would I can't really tell you what it was because none of it really made a lot of sense. But essentially, you, there are three levels. I mean, ladies should look this game up right now while I'm, looking, while I'm talking about it so you can just see okay. what I'm talking about. So Here back in... Back in 1995. And you start this game off, and it has all the tank controls. You know, it uses one thumbstick to move, so you don't get to use the right thumbstick, and you, you know, tilt it to turn, and then you push forward or backward to run, depending on what direction you want to go. You know, it it looks something, like I said, straight out of a PlayStation 1 game. And it's supposed to be horror-esque. There are monsters or demons in this game. Um, They're just big blobs. It's not a very good game. And... I appreciate what the developer was trying to do with this game, but it just kind of fell short. If this game had released in the 1995 era, you know, or alongside Resident Evil or Silent Hill, this never would have been a classic. It wouldn't. It's not that good. It's not good enough. You know, there's a lot lacking in story and lore and granted, like it is a very short game. It's you know, there's not a lot you can really fit into an hour, hour and a half experience but <laughs> 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 dang it, I don't have my pillow in this new office. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, um, yeah. Go ahead.
0: So I just had a question. Didn't this game? So you're you're playing like a Switch version? You said I'm I played play on Xbox. She oh, said it just came, it came to console. I oh, it, okay, yeah. maybe that's that's the thing I missed because it's released on Steam back
1: in 2016. Yeah, it just came to console. So I was all about hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wah, wah. If you here's what I'll say if you played, you know, retro, horror, retro. I guess they are retro now. Horror games in the mid '90s, and you just kind of want like a quick one and one and a half hour thrill. You know, hop in. You can finish this game that quickly. It's if you're looking for a crazy good story. I mean, it gets a little interesting toward the end, but it's just mostly about reliving the tank controls and combat of your it's an easy game there's lots of ammo once you get to it it's just like i said most of the time i was playing i'm like why why am i playing this why am i even playing this right now i mean i I don't know but long story short after i finished it i just started playing resident evil 2 again uh the remake at midnight i thought it would be a good idea i bought the all-in dlc so i have the infinite rocket launcher ammo and i'm just going through and blowing everything up and just experiencing the story all over
2: again that sounds good is it is that the baby ass baby mode I'm looking for? Yeah.
1: It's five bucks and you get infinite, all the infinite ammo you'd want. Does like does the rocket launcher one shot people except oh, yes. for obviously
2: Mr. X? Oh, yes.
1: Just burns him to a crisp baby girl, blows him up in itty bitty smithereens. We talked
2: about this. No, we did, but like, yeah. I never, none of you had played it yet. So I was like, I imagine it would be a one shot kill, but I don't yeah. actually know how this works. So I was no, waiting for is. one of you to do it first.
1: Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I highly recommend it. But yeah, so. It's, <gasps> Back in 1995, like I said, if if, it, if you were a fan of the games back then, just maybe go check it out. I think it's 10 bucks. if you feel like you want to waste. Not waste. That's not a good way of prefacing it. If you want
2: to spend $10. If you want to <laughs> add waste. an extra game to the games you've completed this year on your list, here you go.
1: Yeah. It, it's just kind of cool to be able to spend like an hour of your time and experience to a certain degree games of yesteryear. Kind of like I said, the story's lacking. It's, this never would have been a classic, but it's a short, sweet. Or you could just play Silent Hill or Resident Evil 2 again. But hey. Or that. Um, and that brings us to the
0: final game that we're going to talk about in this segment, which is... Well, I guess I could talk about Metro Exodus for a second. But um, I really want to talk about Lego Tower. So I got an email from the PR team representing Nimblebit About if I wanted to try Lego Tower. And I said, wait a minute, is Lego Tower the newest? tiny tower iteration and they were like yes it is and i said um obviously i need to try it so for people who aren't familiar uh, nimblebit has developed a, a variety of games but they are probably most well known for their tiny tower game where you built a skyscraper up level by level and you had little inhabitants and you could assign them to jobs in each of the individual towers and they had likes and feelings and there was even like this little fake Facebook thing in the game and essentially the whole idea of the game is that you're building a tower. Did you guys ever play this or hear about this? No, but it mm-hmm. sounds like
2: Fallout Shelter kind of, but reverse. Fallout Shelter, right, you but, build down. Yes, sort of, but
0: different. And Tiny Tower did it first, way before. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, I just mean you're if you're thing. looking for like a
2: comparative, sort of.
0: Sort of, yeah. But essentially, like, you're building a, a skyscraper that just goes up. There's no, like, there's no other strategy to build. Because in Fallout Shelter, you kind of got to strategize where you're placing that thing. Anyway. Oh, so the rooms don't... It doesn't really matter. You're just putting rooms and... It's just, like, it's one level on top of another, and you just stack it as high as it will go. Got it. Into the sky. into got the it. sky. Cool. Um, So they did a tiny... Uh, Tiny Tower Vegas Variety Which was super fun They did a partnership With Disney And did A Tiny Death Star They also had a game Called Pocket Frogs That that I really loved That (laughs) sounds adorable Yeah the Tiny Death Star Was great I loved it And so now their latest offering is Lego Tower, and it feels like a match made in heaven because Lego was all about these itty bitty little pieces, right? Yep. Like the little minifigs and the little hats and all the all the little stuff that goes on them. And so when they told me they were, they had this game available to play, which by the way it's free to play, you can play it on iOS or Android. Um, they asked if I was uh, playing, and so I gave them my in game ID, and they provided me with five dollars worth of credits to buy some of the microtransaction stuff. But again, you don't need to. It just helps speed some stuff up because one of the big things about Tiny Tower is a lot of it is time-based. So essentially, you build a tower, a, a level, and then you stock it with three items. And then in order to stock it with three items, you have to have three people to work that item. So for example, I have an arcade in my tower. And they have a small prize, a medium prize, and a large prize in the arcade. And I have a little corresponding minifig that will make this thing. And in order to build it, it takes X amount of minutes. And you can hurry it by using some of the in-game currency. Or you can earn bucks by doing different things. Like So, for example, I have a pizza delivery guy that mm. says, I delivered some pizza to the wrong floor. I've got to find the pizza. And because I don't have too many floors, it's relatively easy. And so then I get six bucks because I del- I found that... And then I can use those bucks to buy other things in the game. What I think is really unique about what they're doing specifically with the Lego variant of this game... Is that certain floors are modeled off of the existing Lego set. It's the minifigs that come in real life with the set. It's the design. Everything that comes like in the actual Lego set that exists... And I thought that that was a really cool touch to say. It says, like, inspired by a real Lego set. And it just, like, kind of, like, always is encouraging you to come back to the game. I think when my sister and I were in our heyday of competing in Tiny Tower, she had a tower that was something crazy, like, over 100 levels high. And uh, my current tower is only 10 levels Because it takes a long time to get enough money and to build a new level every time. But what I love about it also is that there's like a little bit of a RPG system. So I have this apartment called the Pirate Apartments, again, inspired by a real Lego set. And I have these five people that live in it. And they each have like their dream job. Lonnie's dream job is to work in the art studio. And lo and behold, I just happen to have an art studio in my tower. Hey, girl, here you go. Exactly. So I put Lonnie in there and then Lonnie earns extra rent for me because um, Lonnie's she's in happier. the dream job. Exactly. <laughs> I'll give you more money. I don't give a shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: so it's, it's, it's a fun little game. If you guys have ever been interested in the tower games before, um, certainly worth checking out. One of the things they're doing differently this time around, which I haven't quite spent enough time with the game to figure out how I feel about it yet, is they're doing this thing called the Tower Club. And the first five days of Tower Club are free. And the club has a bunch of benefits. Like you get automatic elevator control. You get 25% off upgrade vehicle costs. You get double daily rent and double free pieces. And then you get access to a lot of the premium cosmetics. So... One of the big things about the Tiny Tower series is the elevator, of course, because you're going up and down your tower all the time. And normally, the elevator cosmetics cost money. It's a free-to-play game, right? It's part of the microtransaction system. But if you're part of the Tower Club, you can kind of hot swap with this selection of cosmetics as many times as you want. The first five days are free. And then after that, you have to buy access to the Tower Club. And so five additional days is $2.00. 25 additional days is $5. And then if you want to buy 300 days, so essentially like the full year, it's 20 bucks to unlock. And it essentially allows you to kind of do the customization at, at a whim. So I like that they offered that as an option for somebody who wants to be like a power user that you can spend $20 and get into the club and be able to kind of hot-swap your customizations for what I would consider a very reasonable price on a free-to-play game for customization for 300 days of play. Because let me tell you, when I looked at the customization, or excuse me, the monetization breakdown of the new Dr. Mario World game that Mm -hmm. came out from (laughs) Nintendo, I was very disappointed. But I've been enjoying my time with it. And uh, again, if you are a fan of the previous Nimblebit Games... Then this is just more of that same gameplay, but all of the Lego charm and the little the little minifigs like dance and stuff like in the floor, like they'll do like this one guy like will play air guitar randomly, (laughs) which is like super cute. And it's just like all the little Lego figurines. And so it's got that like Lego cute factor to it. I really like it. I'm having fun. I'm playing it way more than I probably should.
1: (laughs) They got you.
2: It sounds cute. I like adding Lego to things. Go for it. Lego in my Forza. Go for it. Mm-hmm. I just... I enjoy little mobile game
0: experiences like this. And I, as I had mentioned, played lots of the Tiny Tower stuff previously. So this was speaking to me directly. Ooh. Very excited about it. But that's all I have to say about that. And we're going to take our last break of the show because we are going to talk about The Dark Pictures' Man of Madan and how... It's. They've added this cool new feature, you guys. And we're going to discuss everything I got to get hands on with at a recent preview event right after this break. What's good, everybody? And welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. It's segment three, our feature segment. And this is where we talk about... Whatever we fancy, and this week I had the amazing opportunity to visit a special location here in the San Francisco Bay Area to get hands-on with the dark pictures, the dark pictures, that's what I meant to say, uh, Man of Madan from Supermassive and being published by Bandai Namco. But before I get to that, I have to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Floor. Now, we all know that scent is closely linked to memory. And I feel like when it comes to some of our favorite summer memories, that is definitely the case. We were talking about some of our favorite scent memories and how scent is so closely tied to your memories. And Brittany immediately talked about grass.
1: Yeah. So growing up, my room was on the obviously the outside of the house, but it faced the front lawn. And I would always open it during the summer. My parents would always be doing yard work. And so my dad always cut the grass. And so the smell of freshly cut grass reminds me of me being a hermit and staying in my room playing Harvest Moon <laughs> because I, Harvest Moon was like Harvest Moon 64, Harvest Moon Back to Nature was my go to summer game because summer break and I didn't have any responsibilities and I was like a kid anyway. And just hunkering down and just having that scent of fresh grass like wafting into my room as I'm playing a farming game. It was the best.
2: That's amazing that the smell of grass reminds me of inside.
1: No, it's messed up, right?
2: <laughs> it, it's funny
0: because the smell of grass reminded me of when I used to uh, cut the grass at my dad's house in the summers because we would always do two weeks with my dad during summer break and he would pay me like a couple of dollars like on a good day. If he was feeling generous, he would give me $5 to mow the lawn. And I just vividly remember that heavy bag and having to like empty it into the garbage bag. But mm-hmm. the the sweet success of just a couple of dollars for my labors Yep, and that smell of fresh cut grass. No grass um, for me is more of like
2: a ah, when I used to play soccer sort of a thing.
1: Mm,
0: that's a good one too. But the whole reason we're talking about scents, ladies and gentlemen, of course, is because Fleur makes great smelling, clean, sustainable fragrances and every Fleur scent has its own unique scent story to go with your personal experience with it and what's interesting about the clean sustainable fragrances that they make is they really do express themselves differently on different people for example we talk about Siana, the scent that steiner wears every month and how we always like not so creepily but very in like a friendly way
1: smell her all the time because she always smells so good i don't know <laughs> if there's a non-creepy way to say we smell our friends all the time but that's fine <laughs>
2: You can smell me. It's okay. That
0: is true.
1: <laughs> she is. always smells good. I, like Literally every
0: time I pick her up at the airport, I'm like, hmm, that Steimer smell. So nice. <laughs> um, and um, what we love also about Flora scents is that they're not just for Steimer or for ladies, in fact. They're gender neutral. And what matters is what you like, not what you think the scent is supposed to be. Because as we mentioned, they express themselves differently on different people. And, of course, unlike other fragrance companies, Fleur is transparent and discloses every ingredient and why it's in there. If you guys want to make new scent memories, or really if you just want to smell as good as Steimer smells, <laughs> uh, you got to go to Fleur.com today and use our promo code What's Good to so get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. That's PHLUR.com today and you get to pick three scents to try you'll get a credit towards a full size bottle of your favorite scent and it's easy to use with the promo code what's good at flora.com to get your first three flora fragrance samples at 20% off phlur.com and the promo code is what's good and i wanted to make a mention I personally just bought a brand new fragrance sample because they have a new fragrance. It's called SC-59, and it's inspired by the daring surf clubs of the 1950s. SC-59 pays homage to the endless summer spent chasing the perfect wave. I was like, that sounds like something I need to smell. And so I got the sample, and it's a really interesting scent. And what I love about it is that it comes with this little insert that tells you how the scent develops, like, after the first hour, after the first five hours, after eight hours. And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> anyway, Fleur.com. What's good? Okay. Now that we've talked about how good Stimer smells once again, I want to talk about something <laughs> uh, a little bit more frightening. But before we do our that, mythic should we patrons? talk about
2: our <laughs> mythic patrons? Yes. Uh, good good segue. Good segue. Frightening. They're so frightening. Our mythic patrons are so good to us. It's frightening. Ah, yes. Good save, Sam. <laughs> um, I could also just like edit out that
0: awkward transition. No, out of the keep
2: ads. it in. Oh, yeah.
1: We're raw and unreal and uncut. Uncut. What's good game? I feel like I just so, advertised like a porno from the 90s. You did. Yeah, ooh, maybe. You guys remember those weird,
0: creepy commercials about oh, Girls yeah.
1: Gone Wild? Oh yeah, Girls Gone Wild in all VHS tapes. It's like call this number right now. We'll include this bonus video. And I was like, oh yeah. You're like, this is sad. Yeah, it is. I don't know why I thought about that. No, because that's the mm-hmm. kind of a unreal raw uncut uh, unreal raw and uncut shit. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. God of the all right, 90s all right. yeah
0: let's let's let right, so mythic patrons <laughs> what, so people who, are, who are like what the heck are mythic patrons um if you go to patreon.com slash what's good games we have a membership tier that's called the mythic membership and it gets you a really cool shout out on the show every month and these are people who have decided that they want to support what's good games and everything that we do here and if that's something that you're like hey that sounds like something I want to do. I like what's good games. I want to support them. You can head to patreon.com/slash what's good games and sign up for whatever your preferred level of membership is. But now, without further ado, we are going to mispronounce a bunch of names of really
1: cool people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll start with Alex Rogopoulos. Mohammed Mohammed. Ferris attack. Tom Bach, Matthew Simpson. Joe
0: Kennison. <laughs> Fala Alajim Ba forty two forty
2: two. I don't know if that's part anyways, yeah. It is
1: I now. don't know either, but that's what's in their name field, so I read it. Yep, that's your new name, sir. Adam Bankhurst. That makes me want to bratwurst. Misail, <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> Miss No,
0: I um, said that. Yeah. I know you did. Oh, okay. Just making sure I'm you just heard saying,
1: me. I was just repeating his name because he's a cool brother. And I'm drinking the bourbon right. you got me, sir. Thank you. I was. It's oh, all I still want to try that. Okay. Andrew Susan is up next. <sighs> Justin Foshi. Sean I. Kyle and Kelly B. Craig L. Swallow. Kathy Lucas. Kia Bright. Alberto Videla. Drew Caseda,
0: Martha Emery.
1: Devin Nitz. Steph Wu. Reagan Inson. Bill Stilwell. Tara Bruno. <gasps> Zach Hershey. Yes, Sion. Oh, God. Sean. Sean. Sean <laughs> Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. Michael Schanholtz. <laughs> Patrick Higgins. Timothy Bennett. Marco Ontiveros R.J. Bryan. Leonardo Talavera Baroccio. Trevor Starkey. Marcus Brown. Lanthius G. Owens. Jason Demers. Joe Schleif. Maxwell Crema. Elmo Schell. Jared Howard.
2: Tyler McCall. Carl Peterson. Molly Bittner. Josel Pazza. Nam H Bui, Jessica Blum, Throw
1: Seven, Bert Meg, Teddy Gahn. Gregory Horton, Dylan Blank, E Irazare, Noel Navaret Navarez, David Icolucci, <laughs> Lucas Chaney. Rob Lehnert, Mark Dressstrip, John Drake, Jacob. Let's go on a safari. Adam Keenston <laughs> Emily Kent, Trent Pennington, Gabriel D'Andrea, Chris Wilson, Ariella Furman, Will Collum, Will Hernandez, Brian O. Johnston, Kevin Dunkel, Billy Shibley, Stephanie Fitzwilliam, Sam, Dr. Emmett Brown,
0: Punk Ross Haney, Simon Bergstead Justin Foss, Nicole Humphrey, Brooke Lurie, Asia Harris, Jake Sue, Jasmine Lee, Carly Kinman Elizabeth Brooke
2: Adrienne Williams
1: Kyle Kaiser Oh, I got it Pure Blue Octopus blah, blah, blah. Andrew <laughs> Cotton Tony Shea, Pete Shoemaker
2: Brian Harper
1: Joe Wilson
0: <laughs> Sorry Scott. I heard my cat Gio meowing Corsi. and I got concerned
2: for a second
0: <laughs> Gio would understand Gio would understand <laughs> oh, I love it <laughs> I'm definitely gonna have to go check <laughs> on him. Roland Bala. Robert Adams. Paige Porter. The Ghost Dog 420.
1: Patrick Weller.
2: Matthew Goudet.
0: Ozzy Mejia.
1: Christian Rodriguez. Christopher Lindmark. Patrick Laundrie. E. Benjamin Chickness. Trent Berry. Donato Sinicio III. Teresa Inert Badass Evan Bejarano. There
0: you go. Thank you so much to all of our awesome Mythic members and above. You guys are wonderful. We couldn't do What's Good Games without you. Now it's time for Realsies to talk about the preview event that I went to. So and Namco invited me out to the USS Hornet in the San Francisco Bay on the Oakland side, which if you guys aren't aware is actually a historical museum because this is a real worship. It's also massive have either of you been on a aircraft carrier before yes. I have and
1: you get lost in that bitch
0: yeah i was not prepared for just how big this ship was and i had posted oh, cool. a a video on my instagram stories about what i was walking up to it and i also didn't know that this um air and space museum was actually just over in alameda like it's just available because i'm driving out there i'm like am i lost then i get out to the end of this dock and i'm like whoa i used to live on alameda
2: oh really yeah there was a navy base there yeah i mean that's where yeah that's where that's that's why the ship's there yep (laughs)
0: exactly (laughs) So um, thank you to uh, Bane and Amco for inviting me. Of course, they are publishing the game. It's being developed by Supermassive. Supermassive, the team behind Until Dawn, the game that we're playing in our Patreon after-hour stream. If you guys aren't familiar, it was uh, essentially a playable horror movie that allowed you to make a bunch of choices, and there were characters. You could kind of figure out who lives and who dies. And it was really impactful when it came out because we really hadn't seen something of that quality of animation and motion capture in the more walking adventure type game and obviously now we're seeing a lot more in that but I'm super excited that they're making something else and when they first announced The Dark Pictures I think a lot of people were confused about like what is this thing though So just as like a little refresher the Dark Pictures Anthology is a series of intense standalone horror games, the first of which is Man of Madon, and it's coming to PS4, Xbox, and PC on the 30th of August uh, this summer, and it's the first game in the anthology that brings ghostly horror to the South Pacific. Oh. So I'm just reading now from the Supermassive Games website. The story of Madame Madon* starts off on a dive boat in the South Pacific with a rumored World War II wreck to find and plenty of on-deck partying to be had. Our group of four young Americans and their skipper, Fliss, get ready for what should be the trip of a lifetime, but it doesn't quite go to plan. As the day unfolds, a storm rolls in and they find themselves trapped on board a ghost ship. Subjected to unimaginable stress and terror, they must try to find a way to escape the ship and its sinister history.
2: Jump off, float out to sea, do the
0: stammer flip. Do the stammer flip. You'd probably you'd probably die because oh, totally. like you're you're way, way out in the middle of the sea from, from what I've played. And what's really interesting is that the whole idea of the Dark Picture's anthology anthology is that each game is set to represent a different subgenre of horror film. I'm not quite sure which subgenre this one is going to embody based off what I've seen, but it is spooky. So what was really neat about what we got to play is that not only is it like the very, very similar style of gameplay to what we have experienced and played together in Until Dawn, but for the first time ever, they've added multiplayer. hmm So what does this mean? They have two different multiplayer modes. Of course, they still have a single player story. You can do this completely on your own and never mess with anybody else if that's what (laughs) you prefer. They have a two player online mode and then they have a two to five player movie night mode, which is designed to be played locally, which is essentially like a pass the controller mode. So the thing that I've thought was the coolest was the two player online mode. So essentially what you do is you pair up with a buddy, um, I was playing with um, Alessandro from GameSpot, and we each got control of different characters. So imagine with Until Dawn, if I was controlling, like, one of the couples, like Ashley and hmm. whatever that dude's name was, and you were controlling, you know, Chris, the Chris and then the other girl. And then we, our stories converged at a certain point. And the choices that we made in our individual sections affected the impact of, the, of when our stories merged together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was super fascinating. So what we got to see was um, at the very beginning of the game where you get to meet Fliss, who is the skipper, you've got these two brothers, Alex and Brad. And then we've got a brother and sister, Conrad and... Ooh, what's her name? Oh, I haven't written down. Julia. And Julia is dating Alex. And so that throws kind of like a, another like layer of complexity into the whole relationships. So much like Until Dawn, each character kind of has their own traits, but they really call out the character traits in the game this time around. So when you get introduced, they're like, um, Julia is... Um, headstrong but playful or whatever the personality traits are and each person kind of has their own thing it's essentially designed to help you pick certain characteristics or certain decisions based on their playthroughs but i threw all that out the window and did what i wanted, to (laughs) (laughs) because that's part of the fun of what supermassive does with these games and so in the two-player mode you get to see something, a different part of the story. Um, In my first part of the story, I played as Conrad and Julia. And they are looking at this dive camera and kind of surveying the dive that they're going to do because they're essentially wreck diving where they're we were talking about scuba earlier in the episode. They're like diving down and exploring these wrecks and they have found this wreck that hasn't been reported. And Fliss is like, well, we have to call it in and report it. And then, of course, you get to decide whether or not you want to call it in and if you're going to be like a bad boy or if you're going to be (laughs) good and follow the rules. And... And so in my playthrough, I was looking for a way into the wreck. And so if you examine the photos thoroughly, you can, like, find, like, the entry point into the wreck. And then while I was doing that, uh, my partner, Alessandra, was flirting with Fliss because the relationship that the skipper has with you know, the other people on board is obviously going to figure into what happens to people later on in the game. And so I thought it was a really fascinating way to do a narrative adventure game with choice with a two player system and something that I really haven't seen before. I don't think I can recall a single game that's ever done this.
1: So does that mean, though, that you don't you're not privy to the decisions that he's making? And so you could miss out on important conversations and stuff like that. Yes. Okay.
0: Absolutely. So what it does is while you're in cutscenes together, um, it'll have a little note at the top that says your friend is deciding. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of each new scene, it says your friend is Fliss, your friend is Brad. So it'll tell you who your friend is playing as, and it'll tell your friend who you're playing as. But what it doesn't show you is what the decision is. So it really impresses upon you that if you want to see all of the decisions, you absolutely have to play the game multiple times to see how everything is going to go down. And I thought that was a really cool way. I mean, you could easily do this with ever not ever being on comms because we didn't have microphones at the demo because it was a big room full of people and they didn't want like a bunch of people shouting back and forth. (laughs) But essentially, I think the, the more fun way to play is if you're going to be playing with a friend is to be on comms and be like, oh, what should I do? Or you could just like, you know, roll the dice and see how it plays out without ever talking to your partner about what decisions you're making and why, which I thought was kind of a cool, a cool option.
1: Cool. So the, the two to five multiplayer option is that, like you said, pass the controller or do you all get to collectively vote on the choice you make or, how, you know, how that works? So it's basically like a pass the controller. So the way that it
0: worked for us is we had five players and then you each put your name in Mm -hmm. and then it says like, uh, so I was playing with Imran from Game Informer and uh, Greg and Joey from Kind of Funny. And so it was like, Imran, it's your turn. And so we pass him to the controller and he would pick it up and then play through the sections. And so you can see the choices he's making and as a group, you know, you can kind of like peanut gallery, like, oh, do this, oh, do Mm. this, you know, but uh, Ultimately, it's up to whoever's holding the controller to, like, push the button to which direction they want to go, right? So I thought it was a really interesting take on it because it makes people feel a little bit more invested because it's been super fun for us to play that game together on stream and really have that communal experience playing the game. But I think it adds that extra layer of interactivity when each person gets to decide and then those decisions affect the gameplay for everybody, right? So if it's my turn to play and I'm playing only as Brad and Steimer's only playing as Julia and you're playing as Alex, you know, you get to pick all of Alex's decisions throughout the game. And do, I get to pick ah, –
2: Do um, – can they die? I guess is my question. Cause like if I'm playing as yes. Alex and then I die, do I automatically get bumped to the next character that's alive and available? I believe so. And obviously depends how many people you're playing with. So
0: when we were playing in our session, the scene involved six characters and we had five players. So hypothetically, if you died first, then you would get bumped to the one available open player. But then if you died again and there's no one else, then you just get to sit and watch, right? Um, and then the idea is, like, keep your character al- alive as long as possible. But the fun part, of course, comes in. Like, what if somebody else makes a decision that gets me killed? Right. Right? And that kind of, like, leads to the fun, like, movie night-esque Chatter around, like, which decisions you're going to make and influencing your friends to make the right decisions about, like, what you're going to do to try to keep everybody
1: alive. What's that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I was trying to look it up, but I can't find it. Is, is it an app? Was it a PlayStation app where you get to actually ch- vote on the decisions that you want to happen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about PlayLink? Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. That yes. would be cool, too. But
0: That would be cool. They haven't talked about... Link, that would have been honestly a really good question for you to ask. Sorry, Britt, I failed you. Oh god girl. We're no longer friends. You have failed me. Goodbye
1: forever. <laughs> oh, bringing yeah. you off
0: my list. But I don't I don't think I don't I'm not sure if Play Link is gonna be a part of this or not. But the way we were playing it was just like a single controller sure. and we were just passing the controller around. But what I thought was interesting about the to me, like the movie night stuff is fun. But where this really shines is in the two-player online mode because that to me is something that's so innovative and the way that they interweave the stories and how you each get to kind of pick decisions about your section of the story and how it's going to merge them back together was really fascinating. Um, For example, there was this one section where me and my player, my friend Alessandra had to hide and we, you could see him moving in the scene. Like, cause when you play in the same scene together, you can clearly see that it's a, person controlled not ai controlled and there was like this little little mini game where we had to hit the button in time with a heartbeat because we were doing the stealth section and in order for this guy not to see us we had to like like dun 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 -dun, to our heartbeat like um like rock band or whatever like a (laughs) rhythm game (laughs) yeah and it was cool because you can see when your partner fails because there was something that I did earlier. There was like a button mash sequence that I didn't realize was a button mash. So I just pressed the button. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be mashing it. And then it was like, your friend failed. And we like failed out of the scene. Oh, no. And he like, Alessandra like peered around the station and was like, what the hell? And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops.
1: Sorry. My bad. That's interesting. But- and it adds a different level to it. Like you said, more of a realistic I guess experience because if something bad happens, you're like what did you do? Which I guess is something that you'd actually ask someone if you're on a ship and something bad happens. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah but that the sounds game, fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm super pumped for this. Obviously, I've been having a lot of fun playing until dawn with you, and like the setting of this old warship is super creepy. I don't want to give away any of the scares for people who want to go in in fresh. But everything that I've seen so far is looking really great. And the animation looks great. The mocap is great. They've got this fantastic list of characters. Um, The person that people are probably most going to recognize is Sean Ashmore, uh, who also starred in uh, Quantic (gasps) Break
2: no he was in the animorphs hello that was his
0: most important role listen i didn't say it was his most important role i, I just said that he's the person that people are going to recognize yes. the most obviously he was in x-men i know hello but um, no animorphs a bunch of other things,
2: animorphs
0: so dude so um britney gets but yeah you yeah it's It's creepy and awesome, and I can't wait to play. Uh, They're doing a pre order special. If you guys pre order the game, and you can find all the details on the Supermassive uh, website as well, Uh, there's like special characters you can play as. There are, it's like a director's cut. There's additional scenes, additional dialogue, and all of that is going to be available for purchase, they said, I believe, at the end of November. But if you want to play it when the game launches, you have to pre-order the game. So if you know that you're a Supermassive fan and you're excited for this and you want all of those options, um, just something to look into if that is exciting to you. But I'm really pumped about this game and was really glad that they invited me to come out and
2: check it out. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited for more I mean I'm not I'm excited and not excited. Because it's one of those things where I, I obviously don't enjoy being scared. But I did really enjoy Until Dawn. But I did I think one of the things I enjoyed about Until Dawn was the cheesiness of it and like mm-hmm. the fact that it is a little bit it's like a B horror movie. It's not like super serious. Right. Um so I guess I'm curious about the tone of this and whether or not you feel like it stays in line with Until Dawn or if it kind of goes a more <laughs> traditional horror route.
0: From what I've seen of this This one specifically, since obviously they haven't shown us anything else in the Dark Pictures series, Man of Madan is absolutely in that vein. I laughed out loud several times, and then I, like, awkwardly looked around the demo room, like, Ooh, are people looking at me? I didn't mean to laugh so loud. But the writing is on point. It's super fantastic. Uh, Sean Ashmore's character in particular, Conrad, is, like, this super rich trust fund baby type kid they've got this boat that they've rented and he's just trying to hook up with the skipper and so he's got a bunch of funny like one liners and then you've got like the boyfriend and girlfriend combo but she's kind of aloof and trying to be super tough and he's like this super hot guy who is super into diving and is like I'm I know everything about wreck diving like the they've really sounds like a winner (laughs) It's a weird thing to be an expert
2: on. I'm just going to say it. it it. it is. It's a very niche thing to do. (laughs)
0: Um, And they really nail that dynamic, which they really got in Until Dawn as well. Like that whole like teenage interplay of friendships and the personalities that emerge in friend groups. That is all at play here as well. And I was just every moment like the dialogue never felt stale. It never felt forced. Of course, there's going to be like a cheesy moment here or there. But the thing that really I love about what Supermassive does is that the game feels like the choices have weight and meaning. And so you're not just like picking something willy-nilly. You have to stop and think about these. But when you're playing in two-player mode, there's like a sense of urgency to make a decision quickly because that person is waiting on you. And one of the features that they built into the game is when the person on the other end pauses their game, it pauses your game too. And so if you guys like need to take a bathroom break or whatever, um, it'll pause the game, but it's on a timer. So you have like a limited amount of pause. Oh my God. And so like, you have to very strategically think about when you're going to take a break from the game because so much of the game is moment to moment, particularly with the quick time events. You never know when they're going to show up and they could really make or break your experience. And instead of totems this time around, they have um, paintings. And so when you ever see paintings around the world, you get these clues, of course, huh. and you unlock premonitions. And I just like, I never thought that I would be excited to play this game. But after having spent time playing Until Dawn with you two, I'm like, I cannot wait to do this with you guys.
2: Yeah. Yes. No, This sounds like, I'm glad that you mentioned that the tone is in a similar vein as Until Dawn because now I'm like, okay, 100% on board with this. Let's go. Let's have some drinks. Yes. Let's turn the lights off. Ew. Eat some popcorn and make out. No, i just kidding. Uh, and <laughs> play this game.
1: <laughs> well, that was exciting. Brittany's like, wait, what? Did what you talk wait? about making out? I'm back. What? <laughs> 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 gotta keep you on your toes you, yeah you did i'm awake now yeah
0: yeah um but we'll know more about the game uh very soon obviously it's out in six weeks i think that's about how much time it is so it's very close and uh again that release date i believe is august
1: place the 20th 20th? Yeah. 20th of august because we should oh that's right. dream packs Ooh. yeah
0: well maybe maybe if we're lucky we'll get an early copy fingers crossed and then we'll have a, um,
1: a, a an SF <gasps> trip we could play it at your house britney oh there we go okay done oh my if god if the stars
0: align on, the, on your can. giant projector and we can turn all the lights off oh Ooh,
1: spooky yes we'll have to do it oh and then god. we can make out i mean what Wait,
2: what? <laughs> what 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 <laughs> exactly
1: um, but thank you
0: again to um, Bandai Namco for inviting me out to the event um, I had a blast, the USS Hornet is super cool if you guys ever visit the San Francisco Bay Area and you're into um, warships and US military history, absolutely something worth checking out and
1: uh, that's uh, Man of Madon that's such a cool place, place to have a preview anthology. event that's awesome, I think that's one of the coolest preview event locations I've heard of, very uh, fitting
0: yeah, I honestly like we had to get escorted everywhere on the ship because it's so easy to get lost. And it's so big. They were like, no, you don't understand. And there's no cell phone s- signal in there. Oh, no. Right, It's just a giant hunk of metal. Yeah. It's just like a steel trap. And your phone's like, nope, I don't know where you are. Good luck to you. But also, <laughs> like, it's
2: they're large, obviously, but they're also very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a weird place to be in. And I, I remember whenever, because uh, my dad was in the Navy, so we always go to old ships whenever... We go anywhere that has them. And I'm just like walking around. I'm like, how does anybody live on these things? I don't under, I would go insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: wild. But yeah, that's Man of Madan. Sweet. And that's going to do it for our show for this week. Thank you so much to all of our mythic patrons and everybody else who supports us at patreon.com slash what's good games. We appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Uh, don't forget to uh, check our housekeeping at the top of the show to mark down those dates for the happy hour Q&A and the after hour stream. And we hope that you guys have a fantastic summer weekend. You guys got any weekend plans? Hanging no. out with you. Yeah, oh, I'm, sad go- I'm day. going to LA because we're going to a top secret event. All three of us are going. Oh yeah, to the event there. together. It's gonna be fun. <sighs> I'm just going down a couple days early because you know Stuff. I like LA. It's fun. yeah, funs, funs times, funs. Yeah. Time. All right. Well, I guess I'm just gonna say goodbye then. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Farewell.